Yo, what's up, guys and gals? Our film festival, Gravity Lab Radio Film Festival for 2019, just got posted on our events page. Go to Gravity Lab Radio's Facebook page. You can find it at facebook.com slash gravitylabradio and uh, check out the event listing, October 26th. This year, we're going to have the film festival only in one location, just logistics. It makes our life way easier. So only in Houston. We might try multiple locations again in the future. But uh, come to Spaceland Houston. Have a party with us October 26th. Uh, the details for the film festival are in the event listing. Right now, we don't have any prizes listed, but we did find out today LB Altimeters once again is going to support this event with a free Aries 2 and a free Protract 2 to the winner in the past, we've had prizes like a GoPro 7, uh, free jumps from Skydive Spaceland, a free custom jersey from Option Studios, free jumpsuit from a Tandy Wee, all sorts of really cool stuff going on out there. So check it out. Go to Gravity Lab Radio Facebook page. Check out the film festival. Your video is limited to five minutes. It's aviation-based. The audience votes on it. We have seen some really cool things. We'll have a great party. We'll have a great time. Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Velocity Sports Equipment. Velocity Sports Equipment makes the Infinity Rig by far my favorite rig, the most comfortable rig I've ever jumped, I've ever owned. I've jumped and owned a lot of rigs, and man, there are a lot of good rigs on the market. You've heard me say that before, but I love the Infinity. The main flap cover is one of the reasons I like the Infinity, one of the reasons I love the Infinity. That flap stays closed when it is supposed to stay closed and opens when it is supposed to open. It is secure, it is tight, it is, it is going to be there. Sit flying, back flying, belly flying, it doesn't matter. It stays nice, tight, and tucked. The reserve flap is another feature I like uh, to check a reserve pin. And yeah, you should be checking reserve pins in your rig. You don't have to open the full flap to check everything. It has just a little tuck tab to give you that nice little sneak peek of just the pin but the whole reserve flap is still easy to open when you need to check the rest of the hardware and the rest of the accessories and what's going on they have some of the uh they have the most comfortable rig their leg pads are curved or contoured so they really hug and, and, and mold to the shape of your leg go check out velocityrigs.com uh, Check out their rigs. You can design them in a 3D designer. When you are ordering your brand new Infinity, mention Gravity Lab Radio in the special instructions. Or if you're talking to my boy Blake at uh, Velocity or uh, uh, Velocity Sports Equipment, uh, mention uh, Gravity Lab Radio in the comment in the email, and you will get a free mesh back pad upgrade. You can email Blake at vse at velocityrigs.com. Or, of course, go to your local dealer. A lot of good folks out there selling these great uh, this great gear. We're also brought to you by Jellyflea. Jellyflea is the newest person to come on board with Gravity Lab Radio. You can find Jellyflea on the interwebs. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them all over the place. Jellyflea Creative. Jellyflea, uh, J-E-L-L-Y-F-L-E-A, just like it sounds, jellyflea.com. Give them a check. They are a website design company. They are currently rebuilding the website for the rating center. The work Kyle has done. Kyle Henderson, he is a skydiver, former AFF instructor, former video guy. Super, super good dude. But he makes beautiful and great designs with websites. Absolutely hit the nail on the head. I described what I wanted, and he came back with his first suggestion, and it was out of this world. He has multiple styles, multiple, multiple designs. You can see his portfolio on jellyflea.com. One of my favorite things is not just his website design, but my experience with him. He builds my site. He puts everything together to a phase where we're ready to make some decisions. He sends me an email with a link to my new site. It's not live. This is a test link that I got to see. And it comes with a six-minute video. 
I checked out the website myself without the video, and then I watched the video. And Kyle narrates and voices the entire walkthrough. Hey, bro, this is your new site. This is what we're looking at. Hey, so you know this is just a holder. We're going to change this up. I've got this look here. I don't know if you want to go this way or not. This is the functionality of this. Here's decisions we have to make. The customer service experience was second to none. Jelly Flea, they'll crush your website design and you'll fall in love with the people. Check them out, jellyflea.com. They do phenomenal work and you're supporting a skydiver. They don't just do skydiving websites. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I've seen any skydiving websites from them outside of ours. They do a lot of other things. You name it, they've done it in the business. I've seen music sites, uh, oil industries, uh, everything, teaching websites, sports websites. They do it all. No matter what your need is, jellyflea.com. Give them a holler. Check them out. You'll love what they do. Man, tonight's show, a buddy of ours, Ryan Leeper, is joining us. Ryan is a wingsuit guy. He's a squirrel wingsuit coach. He, he's out there in the wingsuit circuit doing big ways, doing XRW. And we've had a lot of wingsuit conversations with a lot of really great flyers. But, but Ryan brought a perspective and conversations and detail that I don't think anybody has yet. So by far, I think this is one of the best wingsuit conversations we've ever had with, with a wingsuit guy. Check it out. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Start what fresh? Oh my life, waiting for... What's the next word, man? I have no idea. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome to the show. What up, what up, guys and gals? Welcome to Gravity Lab Radio. Uh, Ryan Leeper is our guest tonight. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. Man, real quick to you guys and gals out there in Facebook land, it shocks me, it blows my mind. Some of you still don't realize this is actually an audio podcast. Facebook is kind of like our byproduct. It's kind of like a side effect that we happen to have. So if you're watching this just on Facebook, thank you so much for tuning in and keep doing that. But if you want to listen on the go and you want to listen at your convenience, go to a podcast app, search for Gravity Lab Radio, check us out, download us when you want. But back to Ryan, dude. Uh, Ryan, man, you are a wingsuit guy. I am. I want to talk a little bit about and kind of give some people a heads up tonight. We're going to talk all about wingsuiting. It's really going to kind of be the core of the conversation tonight. Uh, it's an amazing discipline and by far our fastest growing it discipline is. in sport. Yeah. That is true. You've been wingsuiting for how long? Um, I, I think about four and a half years now. Something like that. And when did you start sky jumping? Man, I, so I started back in 2009. Okay. Um, I did a tandem. Uh, I was hooked right away. Did a couple AFF jumps. Um, I was back in college back in those days and had no money. So, uh, like a lot of things, you have to give up something and save it for later. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I started in 2009, did about like eight or nine total jumps, and then got out for, I would say, three years or so. Started back in 2012 and took a very slow process to really get into it. Mm -hmm. Jumping a little more. Um, Got my license, and my my end result or end goal was to get into wingsuiting. So I want to take a break right there just for one second yeah. because what you bring up is is to me a really important topic. So many new jumpers start when they're college kids. 
I didn't start skirt. I didn't start skydiving until I was 23, and a big part of it was is I didn't have the resources to get into the sport, nor yeah. nor the access. You know, in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of the interwebs going on to, mm-hmm. to help us get this stuff. Uh, a lot of people start and they quit because of college, yeah. and a, and a lot of people doubt they'll come back, whether it's the jumper themselves or other people. I think it's important that these guys and gals hear and understand that process, man. So. Mm-hmm. So how many jumps did you do in the beginning? Like eight or nine. Okay, eight or nine. Max, yeah. And so basically you got through AFF. No. I was a horrible skydiver. Really? Yeah, That's why so you wing soup. Yes. I sucked <laughs> at belly flying. Sorry. <laughs> so w- I'm so happy that joke got made this soon. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Man, I love my wingsuit homies. I love my wingsuit friends. I don't wingsuit because I suck at it. <laughs> Other than that, I right. think it's great. Um, what do you mean you sucked as a student? Uh, so... I had a lot of issues once they they let go of you, the, the, the instructor. Yeah, yeah. So I had an issue with symmetry. So I would just start spinning. So it, it took me like three or four jumps on like AFF level three, I think it was back then, to pass that. And that was before we had tunnels here. So yeah. there was a tunnel in, in uh, Denver, I believe. That was the yeah. closest one. Then they built the one in Austin. And then some of the instructors, back when it was... Uh, before Spaceland, to Scott of Dallas. Yeah. They said, yeah, let's take some road trips to Austin. And I just never made it down because I was like, yeah, you know, it's expensive for the tunnel. I just don't want to make a, a trip down there. So I never really did that. I should have. It would have definitely helped. But I, I struggled through uh, the first couple of jumps with AFF. Man, I love the fact that your story says you didn't go to the tunnel. I think it's a valuable resource. Oh, I agree it definitely with you. is. Yes. It's super huge. But a lot of people never get that opportunity to access a tunnel. Actually, a couple of our fans have touched base with me and said, bro, I'm really struggling at this part of the skydive, and I'm encouraging them to break through. So I really want you to, to share how you broke through to, to inspire them. Uh, well, I really just stuck at it, you know. Yeah. Um, I spoke with the instructors and asked, hey, what am I doing? They said, oh, you, you're, you're spinning. You suck, man. <laughs> like, st- stop doing that. So, you know, I, I worked with them, and it really just got to the point where once I started relaxing more, it made it so much easier. Um, but, you know, we just stuck with it and powered through, got got my license, and uh, that was that. A common issue I see is people really are, they have a really strong arch, and I hate these words, yeah. arch harder, bro, mm-hmm. arch harder. What do you think of those words, arch harder? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it's been so long since I belly flied, so I, we don't arch at all in wingsuiting unless you're on your back. Yeah. So it's it's arch harder infers a strength, right? Arch deeper might be a better word. Right. But as an AFF instructor, I see people arching so hard that they're rigid and they're stiff, and, and things That's don't true, work yeah. so well. Yeah, for sure. You can't relax if you're arching really, really hard. Nick, I see you munching over there. I'll give you a little bit of a warning. But as a student, yeah, yeah. As a student, did you have any struggles? Man, I. Did surprisingly well in my student jumps for how terrible of a skydiver I was through like my next two hundred jumps. So I, I, th- I like I kind of caught on to it pretty quick, and then I made the mistake of thinking that it was all about flips and shit. I really did think that of like, man, skydiving's all about being gnarly, doing some acrobatic crazy shit on the way down, and like that feeling of the earth rushing towards you, which when I hear people talk about skydiving, skydiving that way, really bothers me. Like those are the new jumpers that I'm scared of. And it's a huge reflection of how, how I was when I started. In my defense, I didn't start anywhere 
you know, the place that I started, it wasn't anywhere near the caliber of Spaceland, the experience level, the coaching, the guidance, the student program. So I feel like I uh, get to ha- like get away with being an idiot a little bit more than, than people who learn here. But uh, my student jobs did go pretty well, I must say. I didn't have to repeat anything or anything like that. And I want to be fair to any drops when you're learning that. I don't think it was necessarily a Spaceland uh, uh, a thing that the quality of what we produce with students... I think part of it is a sport has evolved tremendously over the last so many years, but the last about 10 to 15 years, our safety-mindedness, discipline, learning curve is just so different, man. Exactly. So keep at it. That's what you're telling those guys you have to do? Yeah, keep at it and uh, listen to your instructors. Go to the tunnel. It'll definitely help. One of the biggest problems I've seen with with asymmetry and one of the most underused hand signals in skydiving for AFF, I teach this in AFF courses, is this signal. And if you're just watching this on the internet, my hands open like I'm Pac-Man and I'm closing it and bringing my fingertips together uh, to my thumbs. Do you remember what that signal means, anybody? Bring your legs together? Bring your knees closer together. Exactly, man. And one of the biggest problems I see in skydiving is if my knees are too wide, I can't arch well. And any asymmetry in my legs is going to be amplified or magnified, exponentially going to spin faster. I can take that same asymmetry, bring my knees to a proper width, and it's not going to affect me very much at all. So I really feel when I see people who aren't arching well, who are very rigid, they're typically super wide. So if you're an AFF instructor and you're seeing a symmetry issue, consider how wide the knees are. And I bet money it will help a lot, not all, a lot of your students. So you struggle through the first few jumps. You take a break. Yep. First eight or so, nine. Yeah. So I was, I think I was stuck on level three or four. So back then, I, I, I'm not an instructor now. I'm just wingsuiting. So um, I, I'm not an AFF instructor. So I, I don't even remember, like, I don't know what the Spaceland levels are. They're but similar. Back, very similar. Very, so yeah. Like level one to seven. And then very you're released. Similar. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was stuck on like level three, level four. Um, finally got past it. And then after that, it was easy. Like once I figured out what I was doing, you know, I was dropping a knee or something. Mm-hmm. Once I, it clicked, it was, everything was easy after that. Um, so I relaxed more. I wasn't nervous, as nervous when I would jump. Really helped. A lot of it's just being relaxed. Once you relax, like it's so much easier. Absolutely. Man. I just ate a couple burritos. I also <clears throat> scarfed down. So Yeah, I can smell that. You smelled that? A little bit. Oh, man. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I had a, uh, I put some death habanero sauce on my burrito and then i pour a bunch of sriracha on it so the Ooh. the nasty i wouldn't be shocked if you caught a whiff of that <laughs> but nick should be proud because i'm not belching on mike anymore yeah when we <laughs> first started the show there was a big a big problem that dj i mean it wasn't a problem it was funny <laughs> but dj would like turn his head a little bit and burp <laughs> thinking that he was like getting away with it you know <laughs> and i don't know how long this continued before i was like Bro, we, we can all still hear that really Probably well. <laughs> a couple dozen episodes. I mean, like, we went pretty you're, you're, deep. You were getting after it. Yeah, yeah. And I almost always eat dinner right before the show. And then I pound one of these carbonated waters, and I just, I got the gas, man. Right. <laughs> so you you get through that problem, and, and I, I love what you say, relax. One of the things that we commonly teach our students is to hold this body position. But one of the things I don't think we teach students, and I think you'll touch on this with wingsuiting as well, is feel what the air is doing on your body. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's exactly with wingsuiting because your suit inflates. You can feel the pressure. You know, you have to know, you have to have body awareness to see, to understand what's occurring with the wingsuit. So 
you definitely have to fill the air and fly your body. So it's it's very similar. Man, it's one of these days, guys and gals, as you listen to this, we are going to bring in somebody who just straight up struggled as a student, and we're really going to focus on that. I, I've had a few requests for that. But right now, I want to move back on, and in 2012-13, you get back at skydiving. Right. So now where does your progress go from there? Well, so it had been such a lapse in jumping that they said, okay, well, we don't want to start you at level four or wherever I was at when I quit. So they said, okay, we're going to make you at level two. So we'll have just, I think it was one instructor. He was like, we're going to exit linked. And if I feel like you're ready, I'll let go of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it went a lot better because I was, I've done it before. I was more (laughs) relaxed. So I I went through AFF pretty quickly that second go around. Uh, Didn't have a lot of issues, but um, went pretty smooth. You actually, I want to go back to the conversation now because of what you said. You relaxed this time, but not the first time. What were you tense about the first time? Was it the performance or a fear thing? It's a fear thing for sure. Like, you know, especially your first tandem, you're terrified. Or I was. (laughs) And even, and then your first solo, you're like, okay, shit, it's all on me now. I have to pull. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a fear thing, I think. Um, and uh, just like anything, the more you do it, the more relaxed you're gonna get. So, did you, you know. ever have a hard time pulling? No. Did you ever have a hard time landing safely? I didn't say pretty. <laughs> uh, no, okay. no, I never had any issues landing. Uh, you know, I they'd shake their head at me, of course, but <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing that endangered myself or others. So. Yeah, we're not always gonna be great, man. We we definitely struggle. And that's the thing I always try to impart on students is one of the biggest fears people have is fear of, of survival and safety. Fear, fear of performance for sure is an, an issue, but that performance, that safety anxiety rather, can you pull, can you land? Those are the only two things that really matter in the sport. After that, the rest of it is super huge bonus. And if you can get over those fears and enjoy what you're doing, you're going to be good to go. Right. I've probably shared this story once before on the show, if not 20 times before, but do you know, A, who Michael Jordan is? I do. B, do you know what happened his first year of basketball? No. His freshman year of basketball, his first team he tried out for in high school, he got cut. He did not make it. Okay, I think I heard that story. Yeah, Yeah. man. Jordan, and and for you youngsters out there, for you whippersnappers out there, man, uh, Jordan is, is probably the greatest who's ever played the sport. LeBron be damned, Kobe be out there. Yep. Jordan is still one of those greats, oh, yeah. one of the greatest ever. Yeah. Failed. Just recently, a really good friend of ours, Katrina Shows, uh, competed in the World Indoor Skydiving Championships, and her team took third place at Worlds. Dude, that woman failed as a student more times than we probably skydived in our first hundred jumps. The obvious exaggeration. Yeah. But Kat was told to quit skydiving. She was told to take up bowling. She shared her story on the show. But yet she is now a bronze medalist at world-level competition. Kat Mighty, shout out to her. Yeah. So never give up is oh, definitely yeah. that moral. For sure. So now you've, you've graduated. You, 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 you've got comfortable. You've relaxed. What got you over that fear, that anxiety? Do you know? Uh, man, it's, it's been a while. But I, I think just being current and sticking with it. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember being nervous up mm-hmm. until probably about my 50th skydive. Like, every time I'd go, I'd still get <coughs> some deep butterflies mm-hmm. and have to take a deep breath and be like, oh, God, okay. Can't <laughs> believe I'm still doing this. And then around, like, 50 jumps, that's finally when, like, I started to really relax and not be too concerned with it. I know it's still somewhat, you know, dangerous, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, once at that point, I was totally relaxed, like, haven't really had 
any nervousness issues since then? Man, I think fear will always be there to some level. Is fear yeah. going to take over you or are you going to take over fear? Yeah. And be empowered by it. Use it to strengthen oh, yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, wait, what if this goes wrong? Well, well I'll just do this. Well, what if this mm-hmm. happens? Well, I'll, I'll just do this. Yeah. And I, I still get nervous with wingsuit openings, which is crazy. Like, I've got nearly a thousand wingsuit jumps and at pull time, I'm like, oh God, here we go. In big suits yeah. for, for the matter of it. Why? Why do big suits make you nervous on opening? Because I've had five wingsuit cutaways. So. Dang, you got more cutaways than me. I know, man. <laughs> man, yeah. how, many, how many jumps do you have? <laughs> uh, like 200. 200? <laughs> man. Uh, <laughs> and you're flying a velo. <laughs> um, I have 1,100. 1,100 jumps. Yeah. And, of course, w- one of the things that people will ask is, why do I have such low cutaways? And part of it is is I try to pull high, open high. I'm, I'm scared. Oh, yeah. A part of yeah. it is I jump the right equipment. Yeah. And part of it is is I don't fly giant wing suits, and I don't open four-way at 2,500 feet, which mm-hmm. has its added risks. Yeah, uh, obviously something that you've worked with and, and can overcome. Exactly. I'm going to get back more to that pooling thing. Just I, that's going to get way ahead of the conversation. Now you've graduated. You've been wingsuiting four and a half years. So I got to do some math real quick. At 2015, you started wingsuiting. Yep. How many jumps did you have when you got into a wingsuit? Uh, 201. So you you went with those bare bone minimums. Oh, yeah. You know, the USPA used to say 500 jumps to get in a wingsuit or 200 in the last 18 months. Do you know if that's still the numbers they push um, and promote? So right now, it, it's similar. So it's it's 200 within the last... Okay, so 200 is the requirement. Mm-hmm. Recommendation is those 200 jumps within 18 months. Okay. Yep. So the require Excuse me, the recommendation is still there. Yes. But the requirement is 200. Yes. Would you recommend somebody get into wingsuiting at 200 jumps? Not really, unless... If, if they're just shredding like really good, like a, a really good tunnel flyer, and they're just progressing really fast, um, they can fly their body really well, then, oh, yeah, for sure, 200 jumps. Like, go right ahead, you'll, you'll be fine. Um, if it's somebody who doesn't have a lot of free flying or tunnel time, and they're mainly just a, like, say, belly flyer, then I'd recommend, yeah, I'd wait a little longer, uh, really get into tracking some sort of free flying just so you, you get that body awareness. Uh, it really helps. Because um, belly flyers, you know, you're, they have that natural tendency to, to arch. Mm. Arching in a wingsuit is like the worst thing you can do on your belly. So Why? It, it just flies like crap. Okay. Um, it creates a lot of, so the airflow is hitting you. If you're arching, it just ca- causes like oscillation over the wing. Um, it just kills your speed. And then the people who are with you are fighting to come down. So it's more of a performance issue than a safety issue. Oh, yeah. It's, okay. Yeah, not a safety issue, no. So just because you suck. Because yeah, and, and you know when you teach the first jump course for wingsuiting, we tell you to arch. That's just for stability reasons. Mm-hmm. But once um once they basically pass and we say you're doing good, then I say okay, that arch I told you to do, I want you to get away from that. Work on trying trying to flatten out your stomach, and then once you get that and you control it, go to uh, de-arching a little bit. And to really be fair, I think in the world of AFF, I say I think I I, I feel I'm an AFF examiner. I should have a pretty strong feeling. Arching is just that. It's a neutral, stable body position for recovery. We should be teaching yeah. and pushing and promoting our students to arch because you need this for safety. But as soon as you're under control, I don't care if you arch. As a matter of fact, some of my bigger boyfriends, they better not arch or they're never going to be oh, with yeah. anybody on a yeah. So uh, arching, if, if you're listening to this, is a great skill to have for recovery. Exactly. But it's not a great skill to necessarily use on every skydive. Oh, yeah. That's true. So how many jumps would you say on average you suggest or recommend a person have before they get into this? 
it, so the number is arbitrary. It's it's more on the skill level. Yeah. So anytime somebody reaches out to me, so I get a lot of contacts through squirrels. I'm a I'm a squirrel dealer and coach. So anytime someone goes on the squirrel website and they say, Hey, I want to find a coach for a first flight course, if they're in the the Dallas Fort Worth region, mm-hmm. it gets directed straight to me. So I get a lot of people contacting me saying, Hey, um, I heard you've got to talk to you about a first flight course. I have 200 jumps or whatever. I want to take it. Um, can we talk about it? And the first thing we'll say is like, how current are you? So, and then we'll start progressing into like, okay, what types of flying do you do? Do you, do you do tracking? Do you do any free flying? Uh, cause tracking is pretty much the same thing we're doing in a wingsuit. So yeah. we're just covering a lot more distance horizontally in a wingsuit versus tracking. So if you've done a lot of group tracking, um, usually I'll take you on a first flight course. Um, and as long as, uh, you know, I like to meet people in person first if mm-hmm. I don't know them. So the whole jump number, it's, it is arbitrary. Yeah. Um, cause I don't know how they came up with it, but honestly, I, I prefer to be a little higher than 200. I mean, I started at 200, but it, you're still so new. And especially if you're on a jump package, that's like two months of skydiving. Less than if we're in the middle of the summer, right? Yeah. In the middle of summer, you, you can be crushing it. Yeah. And you don't see or learn a lot if you're just jumping nonstop. There's so much right. learning that happens on the ground. Yes. Yes. USPA really, I mean, the numbers, I hate to say this, and, and I don't know who I'm throwing under the bus at this point, but I think USPA's numbers that they use for anything, whether it's instructor requirements, wingsuit requirements, can't whatever, I think they find a balance of numbers that they can recommend and suggest as a minimum. I do know for sure USPA will say there's no magic number. Nothing magically happens at 200 jumps that says you can wear a camera. That's a minimum place that you should start considering it. Beyond that, you should move forward. And unfortunately, uh, USPA is a voluntary organization in our country. We are not required to have it. So if USPA put out what jumpers would consider too stringent of regulations or requirements, then people... First of all, starting with group, uh, group, group, beep, 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 drop zones or group members, they would say, hey, man, this is too strict. We're not going to be a group member because yeah. we are not a group member. Now, skydivers don't have to be members, and the organization will fall apart. And, and there are people out there who think USPA should fall apart. And frankly, man, who do you want governing you, USPA or the FAA? Oh, USPA, Ooh, hands down. Right, man. Yeah. Um, it's, I've got a lot of friends at USPA and I don't agree with all of them regularly and we have professional conversations about it. Um, but those numbers, like you said, they're arbitrary. They're, they're yep. in my opinion or the way I'll say it is, and I, and when I say my opinion, I've sat on the board. I, I, I speak to, there's d- director of safety and training. I think every day this week, he's really lonely and has no friends. I love you, Ron Bell. Um, but the numbers they put out are this is where you should start considering it. So if you're looking at any of these recommendations from USPA or really any sanctioning body, Squirrel, for example, they will give their recommendations as well. Mm-hmm. That's where you should start considering it, not start doing it. Exactly. Um, so we were kind of on that point of people getting into wingsuiting. You, you got in at 201 jumps. Did you have a proper first flight course? Did you? Yeah. How, how did yours work out? So... I had it through uh, Gordon Sellers. Yeah, um, yeah Gordon's a cool guy. Uh, so that was before he he went over. He moved to uh, Florida, worked for Aerodyne. So he was my first flight instructor. Uh, really good instructor. Uh, course went really well. We did two jumps. Um, super chill. Like jump went really smooth and uh, was productive. 
how long was your first flight course? Probably the ground was probably about two hours or so. Okay. That's about all it really, you don't want to do too much information because it is, is a lot. So I typically for mine, I try to stick with an hour and a half to two and a half max. And when I go to two and a half, that's like if we're providing a, a canopy for them, like if they need it. And that's the time it takes to like rehook up a, you know, a system. So let's put a new main in here for you. Yeah. Get mm -hmm. But typically uh, two hours is how much they typically are. I took, two first flight courses and i say two the first one was in 2000 and maybe two or 2003 and the first flight course was like yo bro this is a wingsuit we're gonna put it on your jumpsuit and or your rig and when you go out you're gonna open like this and oh, we're gonna fly <laughs> and it actually went fairly well yeah. um in hindsight like that day i thought it didn't go as well um it wasn't bad i, I navigated safely i stayed mm -hmm. with the guy i was supposed to stay with um, i wasn't as close to him as i thought i should be that's why I thought it didn't go good. But in hindsight, I'm like, man, that, it wasn't bad, but I think there's a little bit of luck to that. Yeah. Um, I also had 2,000, 3,000 jumps, so that helps. Well, that really helps, yeah. My second first flight course was, uh, and I did one jump. My second first flight course was years later. Uh, I've got 20 wingsuit jumps now, so I really don't know what I'm doing still. A guy named Bart Stone Street, uh, I was his first student. He was my student. I did tandem with him, took him through his entire student program. I got him his coach rating, his tandem rating. He turned around and taught me to base jump and taught me to wingsuit. Oh, that's suit. really cool. Oh, my. I love it, dude. I love yeah. it, man. I miss you, Bart. Um, the first flight course, I think, was about two and a half hours. Yeah. And I think a large part of it was Bart digging through his brain and taking his time going, sorry, mm -hmm. DJ, you're my guinea pig. I'm remembering what I'm doing. Okay. I thought that seemed rushed because I don't know what properly goes into it, but it sounds like it was proper. Yeah. Two hours is pretty typical. What are you teaching in a first flight course? So we typically go over, just we do an introduction. Um, we start off with gear, okay, requirements. Um, so we say, okay, you know, 200 jumps requirements. Um, we go over, like, what they're going to learn. Uh, we say, hey, okay, to pass the course, you have to have a safe exit, fly a planned controlled pattern, deploy at the correct altitude, and land on the drop zone. That last one's a key one with wing suiters. <laughs> we, we all know how that works. <laughs> um, so that's how we start. We go over gear because gear is obviously very important with wingsuits. So the smaller wingsuits, like you could fly a smaller canopy and be okay, you know. But once you get into the bigger wingsuits, the burbles are so big. And if you have like a, a comp velo, you know, short short lines and man, it could dance around behind you for a bit and get sucked back to your wingsuit. So we definitely like push on proper gear. So we make sure they understand why we're making them fly a 170 Spectre or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of pilot shoot we need to have them use. And, uh, you know, we go over all the gear. So I want to talk about that gear for one second. It, it's, you say a comp velo is is a joke, but I, man, it's maybe five, six, eight years ago now. There was a video on Facebook or somewhere of some dude pitching and his canopy going to the line stretch and then sucking back in the bird. That was a that was a, I think it was a saber two one thirty five maybe some or one twenty I think. So yeah, he's got a rear facing camera. Yeah, yeah. The canopy goes out. It it opens out of the bag and then it sucks right back, and then he gets line twist. I don't think he chopped it, but it. It's scary just to see that. It's super gnarly, yeah. super atrocious. So I'll give you a story about um, about three years ago, two or three years ago, during our boogie, 
and in Dallas, the American Re Revolution Boogie, I was talking to a gear manufacturer about uh, just demoing some gear. So he said, hey, man, I got you, a, you know, a complete setup. It's got a wingsuit bridle. You know, it's got a 170 canopy, whatever. And I said, cool. So I put it on. I'm flying my Freak 1, which is a, a very large freestyle wingsuit. And I go to uh, a deployment. I go to pitch, and nothing happens. So I pitch. And I on that suit, I'd usually, like, I'd flare real big, then kind of ride it down, then pitch. And I pitch, and nothing happens. And I'm like, did I miss my handle? So I reach back. And I'm like, nope, it's not my BOC. <laughs> and I'm just like, shit. So I'm like, I'm counting. I'm like, okay, I'm at like seven seconds now with nothing. And so I just went head down and started reaching for my handles, and it, I got slammed open. So what had happened was it did not have a wingsuit bridle. So I, I didn't have a camera to see what was happening, but I'm sure the pilot chute was kind of stuck in the burble, oscillating. Mm -hmm. Maybe got sucked back to me. I don't know. But it was gnarly and scary. So... Definitely, uh, yeah, you need to have a long bridle for sure. It gets super gross. Nick actually just shared the video we talked about on uh, on the stream. If you're looking at this live or if you're listening to this recording, you can find it on Freakout Friday uh, from the team. It, it's super crazy. And think about the burble for one second. Uh, fluid dynamics, water, air are the same. Yep. So if you see water hit a rock, and you, you've seen this before with rapids, water goes over the rock and it rotates and rolls, and whatever it pushes, it pushes back underneath the rock. And that's exactly what's happening with your air is it's going over you, pushing the air back to you. And as I'm watching this video right now, I can see his slider comes down and his canopy is now on his back. So we joked earlier about smaller canopy being a comp velo, but let's be real. A Spectre or a Sabre 120 or 135 is small to some of our friends, but it's really not that small. It's not. A lot of us would, like, I would, but before knowing this information... I would think I jump a Spectre 120 as my big canopy. I'd think like, hey man, this is totally a safe and good call. This is this is a good choice for wingsuiting. But it's not necessarily It's not because the lines are short. That's the issue. Maybe the canopy size is okay, but mm -hmm. the lines are so short once you go to a 120 that you're gonna have an issue like like that. So what the manufacturers are trying to do now today is is create bigger canopies that pack smaller. I, I know, for example, the Horizon by PD. Mm -hmm. Packs up two sizes smaller, yep. so you can take a 135 container and put a 170. I had to do math. <laughs> a 170 yeah. into it. What other manufacturers are building those kind of? Uh, so Squirrel does it. They have the Epicene Pro. That's that's what I fly. Okay. Um, it it has a it's a low low bulk volume. Probably like 90 percent of the canopy is PN9, which is a uh, uh, it's like similar to F111. It's okay. like a reserve basically. So. It packs down to 30% smaller. So, like, my 150 packs down to, like, a 105-ish size uh, ZP. Man, that's so So, nice. it packs really small. So, it's nice if you have a small container, you can still fly, like, a 150 or 135 low bulk, and it'll fit. Um, also, Aerodyne, they have their Pilot 7. They have an option where you can do the ultra-low pack volume material, which is... I think theirs is uh, ZPX and F111. Um, I've got one of those, too. I haven't jumped in a little while. but um, So, yeah, those are the three main. I think uh, NZ Aerosports, they've got the Kraken. That I've heard I don't, that name. I don't know if it's come out yet. I've seen some of the sponsored guys flying it, but yeah. I haven't seen it really anywhere. But I imagine it packs small, too. Like, all wingsuit canopies, they're made to, to pack small. Also, it's because yeah. of the material, it'll open a little quicker. 
Nick Reyes. I don't know if you know Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he cool. was here recently. Yeah, and he he's joking. Release the Kraken. Yeah, uh, and no, they have not. That, they they keep yelling, release the Kraken for obvious jokes, but yeah. also because they are excited to see that wing come to the market. Yeah, they've been talking about it for a long time, and uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of sponsored by Aerodyne, and I I like to pitch their canopy, and then I'm yeah. also with Squirrel, and I like their stuff too, and but. You know, it's cool when like other manufacturers come out with really good stuff that actually forces competition and hell yeah, um, just creativity. So it's it's for sure, man. Number one, different strokes for different folks. Yep. You know, I got hit up by a dude today who's like, "Hey, man, I got this new canopy, yada yada yada." And my statement, I we, we we're gonna talk in person tomorrow, like you. I told him on the phone, like, "Hey, man, these are all really good questions. You'll be at the DZ tomorrow. Yeah, let's talk in person." Number one, I feel like I can give them such so much better advice, uh, just because that that direct contact and connection. But B, I can really get true information of what we're talking about. Right. And I feel like the dude bought a canopy that was not designed for him. This yep. is how I flare. Well, that's not what that canopy likes, bro. And that's a nice thing is today, man. The Epicene, I've heard of it, and I've heard nothing but awesomeness about it. Yeah. Uh, the Pilot Seven, man. I, I've I've seen it fly, and, and the Pilot, uh, the standard Pilot Nine Cell mm -hmm. Canopy. It's it's a nice canopy. I, I'm not going to give any rip knocks or anything bad about it. But when I see the Pilot Seven, I'm like, ooh, that's that impresses me a lot more than the Pilot does. Yeah. They're pushing the future, and and these manufacturers like Fluid Wings. Uh, DQ's flying Fluid Wings today. Yeah, we got Scott Lazarus here. Is he right now? Yeah. Hell yeah. For uh, the XRW camp, he's an organizer, so uh, he's got some HKs with him. So some of the canopy pilots are flying those, and yeah, Fluid Wings is like really getting out there. Dude, they are uh, they're dangerous to the rest of the manufacturers, and I firmly yeah. believe it. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a PD guy. I'm wearing a PD jersey right now. Right, yeah. But I got respect to... Uh, I know Scott Roberts. He's a buddy of mine. I don't know Scott Lazarus yet. Scott okay. Roberts is his co-owner. Yeah, Scott, uh, he'll be here till Sunday, so if you're at the drop zone... I have to no. hit him the, up, dude. Yeah, yeah meet for him. sure. Super cool guy. Yeah, it's so nice they're pushing the limits. So canopies, we want bigger canopies because they come with longer lines. And those options are coming out. But another thing you mentioned is a wingsuit bridle. What's a wingsuit bridle? Is it a bridle with a wingsuit on it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so typically... I would think a standard bridle is typically six feet or so from mm -hmm. like pin to pallet chute. A wingsuit bridle is eight to nine feet. So you get an additional two to three feet. So like my, I have a sky snatch that is squirrels. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so happy you chuckled because I was like, that's the silliest <laughs> fucking name I've ever heard. Yeah. It is not. It is the best <laughs> name I've ever heard. Those guys are great with marketing. They're, they make it funny and they make great stuff too. So, uh, so they make the sky snatch. It's, um, it's a different type of geometry for the pilot chute as well. So not only does it have a longer bridle, it's a toroidal. I can't even say that right. <laughs> toroidal. Anyway, it's rounded, um, the pilot chute. So it's six pieces of ZP, and they've shaped it to where it's not just flat. It curves down. So they've done a lot of testing in wind tunnels where they'll have a, they'll have a wing suitor like, kind of like on a table, and he pitches just with a pilot chute. And they'll do testing with a standard ZP, even with a long bridle, just mm -hmm. standard ZP, like flat piece of material for the, yeah, the pilot yeah. chute. And you'll see it really just oscillate before it s mm -hmm. snatches back. So the sky snatch, because the geometry, man, it, it basically, once you throw it out, it snatches air and it just goes right behind you. And it's, if you look at any like wing suitor who's been doing it for a while, mm -hmm. Pretty much 90% of those guys or more fly with the Sky Snatch. It's just, uh, you know, they're great. 
Uh, I love the fact that you smirk every time you say snatch. I don't know if you realize it. You're like, Sky Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it makes a lot of sense, though. You talk about that design and that shape, and look at reserve pilot shoots. The fastest launching reserve pilot shoots that have been tested time and time again, the mesh is more, excuse me, the nylon is more than 50% of the, the, of the canopy. Mm-hmm. The mesh is less than 50%, which means it overhangs exactly what you're describing. Yes. Where our traditional pilot shoot designs for mains are 50-50. Right. And frankly, for what we jump with traditional mains, it's what we want because that much snatch force will create nasty openings for traditional freefall. Mm-hmm. Have you tried the sky snatch on a normal jump? Yep. How so does it, is this something that Squirrel makes? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yes. So it um, it, it I, I still jump a I jump on wingsuit canopy mm-hmm. all the time. I don't have a, a small canopy right now that I just have like for fun. Um, so I don't have any issues with mine. So wait a minute, you actually skydive besides wingsuits? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> Nine, I thought you were saying you did. <laughs> no, I do like I think I did three non wingsuit jumps last year. That's still more than some of my wingsuit buddies. Yeah, I I did a so I did a, a demo with Ben Nelson last weekend. Yeah. And uh, we jumped out of an R44 helicopter, and man, it, that exit was entertaining for me. I just, I'm sure Ben's got footage. I'm sure he'll <laughs> post it on this thing. Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, to be clear, Ben is a jackass, 100% It's agree. true, yeah. Um, why was the exit, what, what do you mean the exit was interesting? Uh, so, it was, I think we're only doing about 15 knots okay. in, the, in, the, in the chopper, so... It's very uh, low airspeed, so like you, it's kind of. I'm not a base jumper, but it's like a similar to the base jump. It's a static exit. Exactly. So like, it took a few seconds to get the air pressure to start flying. So I, I, I swam for a little bit. Oh, I love. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. I actually remember, but I, I couldn't. I never had video. My first uh, helicopter, not helicopter, uh, balloon jump was my first anything. I had a helicopter jump. I hadn't had anything. Man, I've been wanting to do ones for a long time. And I had a couple base buddies who super heavy into base. That's the Sensi base crew. We've actually talked about them on the show before. They were very clear with instructions on how to exit and not look like a total fucking goof. And I actually think I pulled it off fairly well. But, man, I love watching first-timers on a helicopter or a balloon swim like they're Michael Phelps. Yeah, they probably don't know what's coming. Yeah. I mean, some people still do it at full-speed jump runs, man. Brockton, meaty. He likes to swim, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's called Brockton Phelps for a reason. (laughs) Dude, we still got to get Brockton on the show. He agreed to do it at some point. Uh, One of our video guys, Nick, I think was exiting after him. Was that how that went? Gosh, I'm honestly not sure uh, who got the shot. Uh I think we looked into it because from... (laughs) <laughs> from Brockton's footage, you saw that some stuff was kind of going on. Huh? And then whoever had the inside shot, whatever videographer was leaving after him, had a real good shot. And, dude, I mean, freestyle, boy's going to win gold medal the way he swims. He, he's got it covered. <laughs> so you're using, you're, you're talking about equipment, the right canopy, the right bridle. What else matters with equipment? Uh, those are the key points. Um, there, There's a few others. So, you know, we recommend a semi-stolist bag as well. So... If you have a fully stowed bag with, you know, 12 rubber bands or however many they come with, that bag is going to kind of do this, mm-hmm. you know. So you Tumbling. don't, yeah, you don't really want that with, you know, wingsuit deployments are kind of tricky already. You want things to go more your way. So having that happen, it it's kind of creates a disadvantage. Not saying it's bad, but it helps by having a semi stolus So a lot of us have those. So like two bands or three bands, whatever the manufacturer has on yeah. their bag, but uh, those help a lot. 
So up till now, I've actually I I, I like semi still semi semi stoleless bags. I'm not against them. I don't have a problem with them. I just don't use them. I'm happy with what I have. Mm-hmm. And really, I think or I've always felt it's more of a personal preference than is anything else. I don't think the advantage is that big. You just change my mind. Because in the wingsuit world, that would make so much more sense, especially yeah. with you have that slower vertical velocity. Mm-hmm. You need that extraction. Yes. What about audibles? Do you guys push that with students? With uh, Yeah, it's a requirement. So for the first flight course, you have to have one. So, um, you know, when you're flying a wingsuit, especially f- for the first time, mm-hmm. you may lose track of the altitude based on, you, you know, you know what a normal skydive feels like, how much time will typically take. Well, some of these guys on their first flight course, they, they may do okay. And do a minute and a half on their first jump, even though they're still pulling it like five grand. So we really harp on that, saying you have to have an audible. Here's what we're going to set the uh, alarms at. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely that's your backup, but they'll have a visual as well. But yeah, um, I think pretty. I use an audible. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone I jump with typically has one. What are you using? Um, it's a... <sighs> Vizzo? Is that right? Okay. Vizzo is the visual. Okay, Optima. so on the Vizzo, it's the Optima. Okay. Yeah, Optima 2. Optima 2. There's a few different options, and in some of the newer options, uh, the Quattro has four beeps in free fall. Yeah. And one of them is meant to uh, for navigation. And, and for wingsuiting, uh, LMB is designed to say, hey, set this first beep so you know you're near a navigation point. It's a good idea. I think with uh, wingsuiting, it's important to look where you're at more than trust your altitude, well, but it's a good reference. That is actually a good point because, yeah, we should be visually seeing where we're at, but a lot of times we'll... We'll be back flying. So, like, if we have a group, say, just three guys, and I flip to my back, okay. the guy that gets above me, he's leading the jump now. I mean, I could simply look over my shoulder, see where we're at, but when you have people above you, you don't want to do that. So the person above you should be navigating. But sometimes, you know, they get in really tight, and they're just staring at you and having fun, like making <laughs> faces. And we may be going, like, three miles, you know, away from the drop zone. And then we, we kind of flip over at eight grand, and we're like, oh, shit. We're four miles away, and we we do a 180, and get big, and just go for like performance distance, and so yeah, it's it's definitely I agree with that. Like if you have an um, an audible that will beep at you saying, "Hey, you should be making a turn by this altitude," yeah, that would help. The Protrack Two does the same thing: four beeps in free fall, mm-hmm. and it's designed for that for similar reasons. Big ways also. There's there's many reasons to have a fourth beep. I I just I have a beep at eight grand on every skydive. Because I know it's a grand. The rest of the beeps are, if you listen to the show long enough, you know that I've historically kept them at the same altitude my whole life. And uh, just conversations with Nick, I actually have been changing my other beeps, but I mm-hmm. always have one at eight grand. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. So I've had my uh, Optima for a long time, like at least five years. Um, it, it may be a good idea to get a new one because I basically, I ignore my pull alarm a lot with wingsuiting because I set it at four. Four is still pretty high. Yeah. I like to pull by 35 at the lowest, typically. Sometimes three, if I have to. But it'd be good to have a fourth one. So saying, like, here's my break-off alarm. Mm-hmm. Here's my, hey, you probably should pull now. At least start your, your dive to flare. And then a third one, like, okay, yeah, you need to pull right now. And so then obviously your emergency after that. I don't think it's fair to say that you ignore your pull beep the way you just described it. I'm aware of it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not really your pull beep, but you're like, hey, you're at four grand, bro. You need to do something in the next 10 yeah. to 15 seconds. Because like on our jumps today, we're doing XRW. We're we're breaking away from the, the canopy pilot at like 4,500 feet. So once we like break away, we're, we relax. We start flying faster. And we've got our buddies around us. So we'll flip to our backs and have a little fun and... 
I don't want to pull four grand. You know, it's <laughs> it's still pretty high. So, um, yeah, it would be good to have another one. I think just to to help with that. Yeah. With vi- with, uh, uh, that's audible altimeters. When you say visual altimeter, you actually grabbed at your chest. Uh, so I have one on my mud flap. Okay. Um, I don't like the chest because I when I open, I always loosen my chest strap, mm-hmm. and it's gonna <clears throat> fall down. So I have one on my mud flap, and it's um it's good. So I I'll take a glance at it two or three times during the jump. Um, under canopy, I don't use it because once I loosen my chest strap, it's it's way over here. It's so I have a, I've got a visual, but. Um, yeah, it's good to have a, a visual, either mud flap, chest strap, or on your hand. So when you're working with first flight students, how uh, most of them don't have a mud flap mount. No. Most of them have a hand mount. Do you have anything that you provide them with? Or? I, I do. So I, I bought one for that specific reason. So I have a, a mud flap mount with an analog analog altimeter. Okay. altimeter. <laughs> <laughs> so I provide that if they don't have anything. Um, a lot of the guys, if they do have a hand mount, I'll mm-hmm. say... Uh, I'll just give you the the mud flap one to use that because a lot of times what happens is even though they they can see it, what they do when they they're flying they'll they'll look and they'll turn. Yeah. So they'll sacrifice body position for altitude awareness, which mm-hmm. frankly I'm glad you're altitude aware. Um, what kind of I'm curious what kind of altimeter mount are you using? Is um, it a pillow? It's, is it the hard frame? It's called the wedge. It's on a you can go yep. to Shooting Star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like that, uh, and I see it, and it, I'm glad you're using that and promote something like that, because I see a lot of guys using, and for many years, I still have one, I think it's somewhere over here, the hard carbon fiber mount, man, and those things just scare the bejesus out of me. That can hurt, yeah. Like, number one, if you face plant on landing, which you, we, we never do, right? That's going to crush your chest, but forget that, man. If I'm flying with you and I crash into you with this big old carbon fiber mm-hmm. chunk, man... If you guys are using chest mount, mud flat mounts, whatever, please be using soft pillows. Yeah. Uh, and where, where did you get yours from again? Shooting Star. And I know LB sells on their website a nice uh, wedge pillow style yeah. that's uh, made to, to go anywhere, but also it's uh, it's uh, made to fit those digital devices nice. as well. Yeah, and I've seen a couple others that they're, it's like a metal, like either aluminum or mm-hmm. steel, and that's even worse, you know? Yeah, my first one was anodized aluminum. A buddy built them for us. Mm-hmm. It looked dope, dude. He yeah. he colored them with I don't yeah. what, forget what term he used to say he colored them, but he colored them so they were all our colors. Yeah, wasn't painted, but something like that. Yeah, anodized. Anodized. Yeah. Anodized. Yeah. Did I I use that word already? I thought you that did. I heard yeah. someone say it, but I'm, I'm actually I have it on uh, Shooting Stars website right now. I thought I might might have read the word, but uh, yeah, yeah no, wedge, I did say the flap. word. I'm just struggling. Uh, we we're talking before the show, man. My brain this week has been absolutely effing broke, dude. I, I t- like for this show, I listed on the ad that we were doing this at eight because I didn't change it from like Nick. Yeah, told my, me, my yeah. wife, I, I called her before I came over here and she was like, so it starts at eight o'clock, right? And I was like, no, it's seven. So I, I guess that's where she saw that. Yeah. Nick, the first ad I put up had the wrong date. Jeffro Provenzano was on and I left his date and his time. <laughs> and Nick's like, yo, bro, you need to fix the date and time. And he was like, he was very straightforward. It was very easy. And so I fixed it. No, I didn't. I fixed the date, not the time. <laughs> My, I just—it's been a struggle of a, of a brain week. Yeah. Um, altimeter. Oh man, we are. Uh, any other gear-specific issues that you cover in a first flight course? Uh, eighty. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but that's no, no. a requirement for at least the course. So, <clears throat> this may kind of lead into something else we can talk about, but, um, yeah, it, it's definitely eighty for sure. Um collisions can happen mm-hmm. you need to have one so that's a, a for sure requirement for the course now space land doesn't require that um there's been talks that we might start doing that for wingsuiting and 
Um, I don't know if it'd be for other horizontal movement jumps like angle flying, but I think for wingsuiting, they might make that a requirement eventually. Uh, what AED are you using? I have a, a Cypress 2. So it's it's not the wingsuit version. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I my new my rig that I have now, I bought it like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the option of getting the wingsuit version, and back then it was so new. I was like, well, I want to wait and see what the field data comes back with. Yeah. And another thing, you it, it takes an audible as well. So yes, there's a there's parameter changes when you go from wingsuit mode to canopy so it'll beep at you i guess whenever you reach that point so it, that way you know okay i'm not in wingsuit mode anymore because i think wingsuit mode that that thing will fire at like i think it's 40 miles an hour vertical um so i'm not on my phone just goofing off i actually have all the information i sat through uh, a seminar with AirTech in cyprus about the wingsuit <coughs> cyprus in 2017 uh, 45 miles an hour for free fall once you get under canopy it goes to 78 or one or two, 102, because you can actually set a wingsuit cypress to be a wingsuit speed cypress or a wingsuit expert cypress. So if you happen nice. to be a maniac flying a VK with a wingsuit, you can get your speed cypress with it, you fucking maniac. It uses an audible. It lets you know uh, the parameter switch. It's a 10-second sound that it has switched. So it's going to beat for 10 seconds to make sure you've heard it. So mm-hmm. when you hear that beat for 10 seconds, you know it's happening, and now you know you switch parameters and, and you're in that mode. Um, the switch only happens... Sorry, I'm reading all this crap. The switch only happens if the descent rate is between 19 and 5.6 miles an hour for 10 seconds. So there's an oh. example. We can get going slower. Not we. You can get, get slower in a wingsuit. I can't. But you have to sustain uh, sustain and that. I, I can sustain 19 in my bigger suit, especially my Sierra Plus, I'm sure we could easily even go below 19 and sustain it. Yeah, And that must be between 6'5 and 1,500 feet. So above 6'5, okay. if so, you sustain it, it doesn't matter. Right, which is good because um, for PPC, the window is 3,000 meter, 3, meters to 2,000 meters, which is, I think 6,500 is close to 2,000 meters. So that's probably why they did that. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, what's PPC? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I haven't even done it yet, but it's um it's competition for uh the wingsuit stuff like um you know, they do distance, time, speed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the acronym. Paralog performance competition, is that is that correct? That it's, sounds that sounds good. That sounds accurate. I believe it. Um and you're interesting enough, I don't I didn't remember all these things. I'm glad I pulled out the note. That ten second uh reset time or that ten second time window resets any time you leave the speed window above six five. That's so good because a lot of times we'll, man, if, you, if you're flying like a, out of a sky van on a, a high-speed pass, at 13.5, you can go up and definitely stay in that parameter in 10 seconds. So that's good that it'll, it'll reset. I mentioned my buddy Bart uh, earlier, and we used to have sky vans at Spaceland a lot, and I loved watching. He would do a hop-and-pop pass and ask for no cut. He had a good relationship with the pilot. Oh, there was awesome. a lot of trust. And I love sitting at the tailgate and watching him. Where'd he go, dude? He went the wrong way. Gravity broke. It is the coolest looking thing, yeah. man. I would definitely recommend checking out the Wingsuit Cypress. Yeah. Um, everything I heard from AirTech, I actually w- was really lucky. Uh, Adam Schmucker is the president of, uh, of SSK, the U.S. distributor and rep for Cypress. 
Mm-hmm. So him and I actually did that seminar together. So not only did I get to hear it from the company who overall does it, but their U.S. reps, I got to sit with the president and, and get his insight and knowledge. And man, I'm super impressed with with what AirTech has done with that device. Yeah. And so I definitely I recommend it. I think it's it's super awesome. And hopefully on your next rig or your next uh, Cypress, you can do that. Yeah. Um, maybe a while, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, but money. <laughs> that's yeah. There's that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, AADs are, are super important. We, we definitely need them. But now we, we've gotten through the gear. Another part of the first flight course you mentioned is is you said pattern. I'm going to use a different word, navigation. Right. How critical is navigation or how big of is navigation to your first flight course? Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's a big portion of it. So I want to make sure, like, we check the winds, all the uppers. We determine the path on where we'll probably be exiting the plane where which direction we need to turn off a jump run and where we need to turn to head back to the drop zone. So we really pushed on that to make sure they fly a pattern. You know, they they check the winds. They actually draw it out mm-hmm. on a pattern, um, on flight plan, and we actually stick to it. Do you use fly sites with your students? No. I uh, So I actually talk about it. Um, it's under the gear section. And I just tell them, you know, if you want to get one, it's I could show you how to use it. It's actually very good, a very good tool, yeah. um, f- especially for performance or if you want to see what your flare was. It'll actually precisely tell you what you got. Um, it, it's a lot of good data, but I I say it's it's just you know get it if you want to, but you don't need it. I think it's super helpful in coaching, canopy coaching. I'll put it on pilots regularly from, uh, you know, the high-level stuff, the advanced stuff. It's awesome because, hey, look at your turn. Look at the speed you're building. Look at how efficient Mm -hmm. or inefficient your dive is. Uh, But uh, even for them, I can say, hey, look at your pattern because ultimately your pattern is what sets you up to your turn in a swoop. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in the most basic levels, I'll put put a a fly site on some of my low-level coaching students, people even in canopy course, so when they land, I can say, hey, look, what was your pattern? It was this. No, look at the GPS. That was not what you right. did. You're more, you know, a little bit nicer, but it, it helps people to see that data like, oh, that isn't what I did. I swore I did. I'm like, I believe you swore you did, mm-hmm. but obviously it isn't. So let's figure out how to, to correct it. So I I would recommend, you know, it, it's the, the fly site's so easy because we turn it on on the ground. Mm-hmm. We shove it in. I just shove it in people's pockets at times. Yeah, And it works perfectly fine, and now we can just pull the data from it. And I think it might be helpful just to show them where mm-hmm. they're at and what they're doing. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, um, Man, so much. I, it's, I really want to get some XRW stuff when we will, but we've got stuck on some of this other stuff. Uh, you know, I've been talking to Ben Nelson, unfortunately, in my <sighs> life. I know. It's, it's difficult. So this next <laughs> conversation, because I know you talk to Ben a lot. Man, I feel so sorry for you, <laughs> is, is uh, tracking suits. Mm-hmm. Ben is jumping a sausage a lot lately, and when I say jumping a sausage, he jumps on sausages. Oh, uh, yeah. He loves a sausage. <laughs> he loves a sausage. A sausage is actually a tracking suit, yeah? Yeah, it's a one-piece tracking suit from Squirrel. And I've looked at some of the data from that, and straight up, you are flying at the efficiency of a small wingsuit. Uh, close, yeah. yeah. You're, you're typically a little steeper, faster, but yeah, yeah it, it can get... But it's get basically right, it's right there, the level below. Right. And one of the things that currently is out there is zero recommendation and regulation from USPA. Mm-hmm. Does Squirrel have any recommendations for flying a? Uh, so they do. I th- I want to say it's 150 skydives for their one piece. I believe. I haven't looked at it in a little bit, but uh, they do have a recommendation. Um, 
and I want it, so they've got some two pieces, and I think it's still 150. So, um, and you know, it, what's crazy is a lot of these one piece tracksuits, the performance is is really getting close to um, a wingsuit, which uh, like the onesie power from Phoenix Fly, then they've got the the mutation from Squirrel, which is like they took a pretty high performance wingsuit and just trimmed it up a little bit and your arms are free but it has a lot of the plan form of a wingsuit and it it can you definitely need to have a first flight course for that um and the, i think the usba should put something in there about tracking suits because um i actually talked to ben about it a few months ago where there was you know a fatality from somebody who jumped a uh a one piece and i, I can't remember what issues they had but um i don't think they were that uh, skilled, or they didn't have that many jumps. They probably weren't ready for the suit. You mentioned it already, and I, I, you, you went right where I wanted to go with this conversation. There isn't a requirement, a first flight course requirement for flying a tracking suit by most people and most sanctioning bodies. Uh, should there be? And you said yes. Yeah, I really think there should. I, I'm not a big tracker. Um, I have one jump on a one-piece tracking suit. I've got a a sausage two. Um, I think Ben's actually he has it now. I'm letting him try it out. But uh, Ben's jumping your sausage. Oh yeah, he's all in that thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's all up on your sausage. This is getting more interesting. Yeah. By the way, give Ben a hug when you see him. Man, I try to. He <laughs> he just gets nervous, and I think he wants it. But Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if you're ever guys, Ben Nelson. If you don't know him, he is uh, the manager at Spaceland Dallas. And Ben loves nothing more than to welcome new jumpers into the sport with a giant hug. <laughs> so if you've recently gotten into the sport, if you're a recent graduate, go up to Ben and say, I need a hug. And don't even tell him. Just give him a big, big hug and say, man, this is from Gravity Lab and yeah, DJ. And hug him from behind. He'll really oh, like that. Man, he, he cherishes it. He absolutely <laughs> cherishes it. Um, <laughs> ben, ben he, he cusses me every time we have this conversation. And the best part is, is I firmly believe almost everybody who hears this understands we're joking and they egg it on by, by hugging him anyways. So hug him. He can't do anything about it. He's a little wuss anyways. Um, tracking suits, uh, we, we should start seeing some first fo- uh, flight course requirements from it is, is what we were saying. Yeah. Um, navigation is part of it, but one of the things Ben was mentioning to me is some of these wingsuits, excuse me, tracking suits are getting put on a rig very similar, if not identical, to a wingsuit. Uh, yeah, they are actually. So the the one piece tracking suits, they are actually hooked up identically the same as a wingsuit. So, for instance, the the sausage, it's a one piece. The way the zippers run and the attachments that go around your laterals and your MLW are exactly like a wingsuit. So it would be very bad if you didn't take any instruction and you hooked it up incorrectly. So. Uh, there's that. So I, that's why you definitely need to have some kind of instruction, some kind of course, so they can actually walk you through and say, this is how you should do it. This is how, what side the zipper should be on your MLW. You know, Main lift like web, that. the vertical part of your harness, for those of you who don't speak nerd. I do, <laughs> so I'm good. Um, and in the sport, we kind of, not, we, we, kind of we, we promote and we teach and learn one new thing at a time, and we, we do that the best we can. And when I go do a wingsuit jump, I have to remember and learn how to put a wingsuit on my rig. And that alone makes me nervous enough that when I'm flying and yeah. I'm in the plane, I'm like, did I put this on right? Uh, Jeremy Carnop and mm-hmm. you're going to be really embarrassed for this next part. Kimball. Oh, my God. Help me get current. Ugh. Coach Kimball. I got to say it right. Coach Kimball. <laughs> 
Uh, Jeremy did my recurrency. <laughs> Kimball uh, went and flew with me on my recurrency, and it was super helpful so because it put me at ease. What what suit were you flying? You know, because I imagine Kimball was in his freak to Piranha Two. You were flying a Piranha Two, okay? Yeah, that's so a. It's uh, like a student, yeah. Yeah, that that's the uh, intruder air suit, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yep. uh, yeah. I couldn't remember the name. I was like, it's the intruder air suit. That, frankly, it was at a limit that everybody was saying, "Man, that you're like this is a suit that you're at the limit. It could go uh, for or against, mm-hmm. but because of your skill set, your mindset, and your experience, we think it's an acceptable risk." We right. wouldn't put everybody new on this suit. No, and that's a good point. So I did a first flight course for uh, this guy about two weeks ago or so. And he had a Prana 2. And I, so I, I've never flown an intraday wingsuit. So I, I did what research I could. I went on their website, looked at it. The plan form is pretty small. But I, I don't think it actually said that it was a student suit. No. It, it just says, like, it's for all beginners. You don't need any previous experiment, uh, experience. So I said, well... You know, I'm sure you'll probably be okay, but I have some demo hatches, which is like Squirrel's old student suit. Mm-hmm. So I said it'll fit you. Uh, I'd be more comfortable if you just put that on. Um, I, and I was like, you know, do a couple on that, and you'll probably be fine just to put on that intraday suit um, after like five jumps or so. I would, uh, I would agree with that. Now that I have the experience, I do. I had never done a 360 in a wingsuit in my life. Until I flew that piranha, and it was not intentional. A three six, like like a flat spin, or like a, a like no, a no, barrel roll. Flat spin, flat spin. Okay, so it wasn't like a full on spin, but flat spin is yeah. absolutely the appropriate word. Yeah. Um, I was just checking my airspace, making sure nobody <laughs> was sneaking up on me, and it definitely was a lack of control. I recovered mm-hmm. very smoothly, very efficiently. I want to say quickly, but that's such a horrible word because if you try to recover quickly, you're gonna get it worse. Right. Relaxed, did everything Jeremy told me to do. Yep. I heard his voice in my head. I'm like, all right, and and flew it out. Yep. And I did a couple more jumps in it. Loved it. I got no grief with it. But then mm-hmm. I flew a couple other suits. I've flown a Phantom Two, a Phantom Three, and uh, man, I can't recognize all the suit names now. But I, I will say, um, I like Intruder. I think they make dope products. Their jumpsuits are wonderful. But it's definitely, in my experience, it's not a wingsuit. I would put a new guy in right away. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it sounds like you have the same experience because after you've done a few jumps, and I'm thinking the number you said is arbitrary. It's not necessarily a solid number because some guys it might be 20 from now. Some guys mm-hmm. it might be five from now. Right. They'll be safe in that suit. Right. Um, it really brings me into suit designs and, and where the suit world has gone because, man, the first suit I flew was a classic, Birdman Classic. I mean, I yeah, told they, you when I flew, so that's what yeah, we Yeah, they've had. changed quite a bit since then. And then today I look at the suits, and A, there are suits that are similar size and similar shape, but they're nowhere near the same. Mm. What's changed in that aspect? Uh, it's mainly the leading edge is the first part. So a lot of these newer suits, compared to the old ones, the old suits, your arm sweep may be pretty, arm, your arm's high, okay? The newer ones, they're swept down a lot lower. There's the first thing. Okay. The construction of the leading edge is a lot, uh, I say stiffer. Rigid. So rigid, yep. Um, there's Ooh. that. So, oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, sorry, it's getting a little rigid over here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and other than that, it's the internal pressurization. So the inlets, they've designed them. So for Squirrel, they've made the inlets really low profile. Okay. Um, so that's less drag on the suit. So you're more efficient. Now the 
internal pressurization is really, really high. So when you start going fast, especially in these race suits, mm-hmm. you may not be able to like reach back very well to your, your BOC. Um, so it, it's mainly the internal pressurization and the leading edge. That is the Phantom Two uh, was the first suit I the, the the suit I did my second first flight course my second uh, and next ten twelve jumps in and it flew very comfortably man it was such an easy to fly suit yeah and when I went to the 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 Piranha it was the first thing I noticed right away was like man when I tried to move my arms in the pool I had to do it like I meant it mm-hmm. these wings are much more rigid and stiff oh god <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So that's changed a lot. Uh, it, it's made the wings more efficient because now they actually fly through the air instead of cup Just air. Drag, yeah. Drag, that's a good, good word. But that's changed a lot. What else has changed? Because now we've gone from that to just these ginormous tents. Um, so they've, so like Squirrel, they've done a lot of R&D. Um, they actually do uh, like a, a fluid dynamics kind of software mm-hmm. where they'll, they'll 3D model the suit. And they'll actually project like the airflow over and see what the suit geometry does to that airflow. So they've learned like, okay, you shouldn't have a tail this far past X amount of length past your feet. Because at that point, it just creates drag. So a lot of these older race suits, yeah. um, like the Vampire Sequoia, that's like a Phoenix Fly race yeah, yeah. suit a couple years ago. Man, those tails were past your feet like that far. <laughs> now, like you look at the new race suits like uh, Squirrel Sierra Plus, it's maybe like that far past your feet because their older suit designs it was much further um and i think they learned that yeah anything past a certain length it creates drag just makes it slower so which is good it makes it a little safer you've got a you've got less surface area but because every uh reduced drag the suit's also a lot faster now and much more responsive said and done Mm -hmm. man it's interesting because i remember when the vampire and other suits were coming out with these tails and if you were just listening to this He's showing lengths of two, three feet past your foot versus yep. now the newer ones are eight, maybe 10 inches, not a not foot even, past. Yeah. So like my, my Freak 2, it's it's a, a freestyle big suit. I think it's about four inches past the feet. And then my, uh, my CR Plus, which is their race suit, it's maybe another inch or two, so six inches. So I wonder, and I, I feel pretty confident with this idea, but is it because there's nothing to hold the shape of the tail past your feet, so it now wants to flop up and around? Uh, I, I couldn't answer that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what it is. Not sure. it, to me, that would make a little bit of sense because, you know, you think about the wing going past your legs and what's holding it in place. It's going to move around some. Yeah. Um, where between your legs. Between your legs, it's, it's rigid. So, yeah, there's nothing structural Past your feet. Between your legs, oh, it's rigid. <laughs> <laughs> Nick totally missed that one. No, I was listening. I'm just it's too sexy. I can't handle it. You're too sexy. I was waiting for something after I said six inches, but nothing. Dude, I'm Asian. You just like intimidated me by saying that. So well, I said four inches also. Oh, thank you. Twice. <laughs> um, I, I do. Wa- I do have to comment one thing. You keep saying the word. Oh, you keep saying a word I love, and I don't know if Nick noticed it, but you keep saying plan form. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yep. So many people call wings a platform, and I love your intent, and I'm not going to knock you for it, but plan form. Thank you. Yep. I, I respect to the nerd. <laughs> um, so, uh, man, I did so many things in, in this design. I really have got to bail off of it, but before we do, sizes. So many jumpers want to get to the bigger sizes as soon as possible. That's very true. It's the opposite of canopy. They want to go smaller. Yep. yep. What are the dangers of upsizing and upsizing too quickly? 
the biggest thing is it, it's your deployments, and it's also losing control of it. So there's a big jump from like a beginner suit to an intermediate intermediate suit. So especially with the new design. So you may be flying like say a Swift three, which is a it's a beginner suit. I think they recommend like ten jumps or so, maybe five or ten before you, you jump it. Um, that suit flies awesome, but it's a small plane form. You don't get a ton of lift from it. It's fast, but you just can't really get at a really high angle attack to sustain it. It'll it'll stall pretty quick. But once you go from like a Swift to say like an ATC, which is like by far my probably my favorite suit, man, there's a big difference. That suit is fast. So and you could flare the crap out of it. It's a ton of fun to fly. But I've seen some friends that man, they're in an ATC and they go to deploy and they get slammed because they don't know to slow down. Like you'll see their feet kick their risers and you know they fully swing out. Um, there's a lot to take into consideration when you upsize because yeah, you may be killing it in a small suit, but once you go up to something that you see everyone else flying that you want to fly with them, so you want that suit, they're going to be shocked by like the amount of performance difference from one suit to the next. So uh, I definitely try to push on that, but sometimes you're like, well, you know, taking the training wheels off, like I think you're ready, but be be ready, pull high. So it's uh a problem we see a lot in skydiving or wingsuiting are people who go to a suit and they cut away a lot because of either they can't control the suit yep. or they can't touch their handles properly because of the suit. It's usually not um, the latter. So these the bigger suits, it's actually funny. Like it, the pull is easier. So how, how why? How, well, we've yeah. we've actually done some testing in Dallas because we had some issues with people having deployment problems with small suits. And what happened was we, the grippers like that big on the small suits. When they reach back, the gripper falls right into their hand, and then they can't grab their pilot chute handle. So for those of us that aren't uh, nerds, when you're talking about a gripper, this is part of the the wingsuit. Yeah. So it's the gripper is part of your <laughs> arm wing. So nerds. when you drop your hand, uh-huh. you're gra- you're kind oh, of resting okay, your hand yeah, on the right. gripper. Okay. So yeah, I I can see my my image of wingsuiters are kind of extending from the wrist, and their arms are are or their hands are flapped down. Their hands are on the grippers. They're down. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. You you rest your hand on top of the wing, your thumb on the front. Uh-huh. The gripper is kind of between your thumb and your your pointer finger. Mm-hmm. You kind of just rest it there. The gripper gives a little bit of structural um, part to the wing on the end of it. So structural integrity. Integrity. Yes. Also. Uh, you can control a little bit of the angle of the wing, a little bit of the pitch at the tip. You can. Um, I don't really do that much, but yeah. you can. So yeah. if you like... So anybody who's talking about that are probably not as good as they sound. <laughs> Kimball. Kimball for all. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's he's okay. He's okay. No, but so you'll actually, if you're trying to get a lot of lift, you can actually rest your hand and flatten out. It's kind of like a winglet almost, yeah, the yeah. end of it. So if you rest, like relax your hands and the wing kind of, kind of folds up mm-hmm. you're losing a little bit of lift there on the end so if you actually give it a little bit of pressure it'll actually increase your performance give you a little more lift and, and cup speed. and air just a little bit mm-hmm. so to speak yep it's uh kimball and we, we keep making fun of him i love the dude to death kimball is uh one of the things that he was getting me to do while i was flying that smaller suit was practicing flaring to pitch now the first one i did flare to pitch he made a lot of fun for of me because i did like dive pitch flare like just boom, 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 all at once and he's like right. bro you got the right idea 
you're looking for a lot more time than, than that. And that's exactly what you need to do. So, like, even in the small suits, you can't really flare. Like, they don't have the lift, yeah. uh, the, 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 side, the plan for them to really get that lift that you mm. want, like you would that you get on a big suit. So, we do the same type of deployment, but, like, you need same thing. What Campbell said, Campbell said, take time to do it. So, flare, take a couple seconds to, like, really feel like the suit slow down. Then I usually tell people in a small just arch, arch really good. Kill your forward speed, start going down like a normal free fall. Reach back, hold your handle for a second or two, just make sure you're not turning at all, and then pitch. And I, I tell my students in my course to say, I want you to take like four to five good seconds during your deployment. So from the point where you actually like arch or flare, that's when the timer starts. Just take your time. But it doesn't matter what I say. Every First flight course <laughs> student I've had, they rush it because I know. I mean, yeah. I'm no. I know they're nervous. It's first deployment on a wingsuit. They do it in about a quarter of a second. Yeah. They just like wave and just reach back and pitch. I had a good handful of jumps at this point, so I was pulling very comfortably and stable and clean. He was. He knew I was exploring wingsuiting uh, to see how deep I wanted to go with it, and the curiosity of do I want to get into a suit and get into XRW from the wingsuit perspective. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "Hey, we're going to explore the flaring." side yeah. of it and I, I think what he was doing is super important and in, in a point that you you kind of made earlier is people go to these big suits and they don't know how to deploy them properly and again learn a, one new thing at a time he's getting me to learn a skill set so when or if i were yep. to go to that big suit i can translate that that skill set from one yeah. suit to another for sure and, and that's the thing we do with the bigger suits is we we have to slow them down a little bit so you don't have to flare it like you know like wingsuit base jumpers they're going mock jesus down the mountain <laughs> And so at like, I don't know, 500 feet or whatever they want to pitch at, they flare and they go all the way to, to the apex until they basically stall it. You know, not really stall, but they're head high mm-hmm. and they're about to start coming down and they pitch at the very top. You can do that in a base um, canopy because you don't have a D-bag. It's a big ass canopy. It opens fast. Um, so for like skydiving, you typically don't want to do that because you have a massive verbal. Uh, so it, it's good to, for him to instruct you on that. If you do want to upsize at some point and then learn how to properly deploy, you don't have to flare really big, but at least doing a little bit of flare to slow down your forward speed. Because mm. if you're just flying pretty good in pitch, like it's, it's going to slam you more than likely. It definitely made when I actually started doing what he said, not rushing what he said, it made my openings... I want to say more comfortable, but I want to avoid that word because my my openings were comfortable and clean at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I do jump dynamic corners on that. The, the, my, I have one rig that's a pullout, one rig that is a throwout, and that throwout rig has wingsuit corners on it. Right. Um, and it definitely, uh, it, it, they were opening good, but it, I could feel they were opening softer, I guess mm-hmm. would be the word I would use. And one of the things we teach in canopy piloting, and I'm, I'm positive and I'm asking, I guess, at this point, in wingsuiting, we teach you, if you want to downsize, in your case, if you want to upsize, you should be able to do everything on the suit or on the f- canopy now that you want to learn to do on the future canopy. Maybe not to the same scale because it doesn't have that performance parameter, but you should be able to understand these skill sets before you move yeah. on to that wing. And, and that's entirely true. So, like, if if you want to learn how to like backfly, don't do it on your big suit. Like, learn how to do it on a small suit first. So, like, when you're learning the the general skills on how to fly, how to fly with a group. Um, how to change your angle attack, how to do it, whatever, a barrel roll, what, whatever you want to do. Learn a basic skill set before you go to a bigger suit 
and try to instead of trying to learn it on that newer suit, the bigger suit. Because um, the bigger the suit gets, the more difficult it is to do dynamic maneuvers, to transition to your back. It's a lot more difficult. So I, I get a lot of guys who are in a rush to get go to a bigger suit, and then they get there. And they struggle a lot. Like they maybe they still have an arch, like when they're flying. And I say, man, go back to the smaller suit. Like work on getting that butt back a little bit. Get de-arched. It'll make you fly more efficient. Um, and then whatever you learn from that, take it to the bigger suit, and you'll get more of the performance then. Man, I uh, I really as I, I watch and learn more about wingsuiting, don't think the bigger suits interest me as much as acro. Oh, man, I love it. And so many people are so focused on size. Size matters, obviously, right, mm-hmm. man? But it's is the big wingsuit the way to go for everything? Uh, not really. I mean, you could definitely do dynamic acrobatic maneuvers in a big wingsuit, like, uh, like a freak. You can definitely go head down and carve. You can. It's a lot of fun. But the smaller suits are a lot more forgiving, a lot easier. Um, I have a... A funk, which is like a medium-sized suit. It's Who's got the funk? I've got the funk. I've got the funk. <laughs> it's the same plan form as like a Havoc Carve, if you've seen one of those. Yeah. I think Kimball used to have a, a Carve. But uh, those suits are made for dynamic maneuver. It's made for back flying. If the suit flies better on its back. So if you want to learn how to do like some steep, like dynamic stuff, like the smaller suits are a lot easier. It's, I, I've seen some of my friends go to a bigger suit because, you know, size matters. And then they actually never fly it anymore. They're like, man, that's, oh, it's, man. it's cool. It's so much more fun to, to do these I've things. Got <laughs> so I have a race suit, and that makes that's a good point. I, I have a CR Plus. It's like Squirrel's biggest, fastest race suit. It's the most winningest suit, like, ever. Like, it wins all the competitions. It's, it's a beast. Like, that's what Luke Rogers flies. Who? You've heard of him, right? No, never. <laughs> So Dude, you mean L.D. Rogers. Oh, L.D. Did, have you why noticed? Did you, I did. Why do you do that? What the fuck is wrong with you, L.D. Rogers? Yeah, do you know what we're talking guys. about? I mean, I know who you're talking about. Luke changed his name on Facebook to L.D. Rogers. Was, was that his... Uh, he has two accounts, I think. Was that his... Like, his no, I think it's per- his personal, personal, not his athlete okay. page. Yeah, yeah, what kind of asshole goes by <laughs> initials? What kind of idiot goes by two letters? L- I, I got it. The, the <laughs> dumbest folks I know. Dude, I would say that. For shizzy, DQDJ, people like that? Yeah. Dude, I, I do have to ask him, what the hell is up with L.D. Rogers? Right. Love you, brother. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he flies a Sierra Plus a lot. He's awesome at it. So I, I bought a Sierra Plus with the intentions to start racing this year. Man, I've, I've put one jump on it so far. I've had it since January. I'm scared of that thing. Like, it's it's a beast. I did one jump, and I got line twist. I pulled it, like, 5,500 feet. <laughs> I was so scared. I was like, I had a couple other Dallas uh, local jumpers with me. And they're like, yeah, man, let's just follow you. You kind of go f- as fast as you want. And, man, I just kind of teeter-tottered around, just tried a l- couple things. And I was super nervous. And, you know, pull was a little difficult on that suit. But uh, I haven't flown it since. That was like three months ago when I flew it. But, uh, yeah, need to get back into it. A guy who has almost 1,000 wingsuit jumps, a guy who has eleven or 1,200 skydives, and you're intimidated by this wing. Oh, yeah. So that means me, with 300 jumps, only 100 wingsuit jumps, I should be ready for it, right? Mm-hmm. It's so crazy that that's a mindset, but a guy who's a wingsuit coach, who has been on big ways, who, who does all these other things, and yet that wingsuit is something that you are having to learn all over again. So it's so said and done. Yeah. I mean, it's still very similar. It's just the suit's a beast, man. The pressurization 
is crazy. Once you get going fast, man, you can barely move your arms. You can't really bend your elbows at all. Like the pressurization is crazy. Um, so, and I, I was fine without the, the leading edge in the, the, the foam. Yeah. Yeah. Cause man, we put that foam in, you could just rotate your arm and the whole wing rotates with you. It's so tight. So you can't reach your handles. Like if you're, I, I know like Luca told me like when he, uh, I saw him in Dallas last July or so, he said he like reaches across the other way, like pulls with opposite hands for his, his cutaway in reserve. Cause he can't physically grab his handles the proper way which is kind of scary, but, I mean, if that's what you have to do, I guess. And he's got yeah. Down syndrome strength. I mean, look at his eyes. You yes. can tell that boy has got <laughs> it. He's got going on. It, it's so amazing how many of these things change. So a big suit's not necessarily the way to go. It's nope. right suit for right job. So Squirrel did a really good thing a couple years, about two and a half years ago. They introduced the ATC, which was like their intermediate, like, small freak. So... In the past, like, I had to do this. I went from a, a Swift 1, like, four years ago or so, and went straight to a Freak 1. The difference in plan form is huge. And, man, it, I flew that thing like crap for a year. Didn't have any cutaways on it, um, but, yeah, I had a ton of line twists, pretty much every jump for a while. And uh, then they brought, brought up the ATC, I think, uh, maybe 2016, 2017, early. And then... Uh, it's like a good intermediate size suit. I think you just need score recommend seventy five wingsuit jumps, which isn't too much because a freak I think is closer to two hundred wingsuit jumps before you even consider trying it. So um, it was good for them to throw in a, an intermediate suit to kind of fill the gap, make it a little safer. I've heard so many high level pilots, so many high level wingsuiters, just praise the crap out of the ATC oh, and dude, say it's my it's favorite suit, man. That's I love what it. I keep hearing. Yeah, so it's got the performance as like a big suit so you could fly it with freaks uh even like kalugos which are like a little bigger than the freak it's a kind of like a, a race suit i would say a lot of base jumpers use it but uh man it, it, it hangs with the big suits you can shut it down to fly with small suits um and it it has like the performance you will need for like leading a, a group on your back and you can do some dynamic stuff in it you can do i did xrw with it today it's perfect so like my freak like i've got to shut it down a lot for xrw like a lot. I'm dropping knees and I'm at my stall point. Like if I just move my hand a little bit, I stall. So it's the ATC. Like I can like literally just fly relaxed, not really like dropping knees or drop my hands to slow down. Like it's pretty, pretty nice. It's, it's a so great suit. It's like suit. flying on a Texas state record wingsuit. Oh my way. God. <laughs> yeah. I quit doing that. Dude, you can. I, I and that face has to be attached to a good story. <laughs> I saw that look. Oh, dude, the comment was there. We're gonna get. Oh, I'll get back to that. I, I will, man. I promise, because I want to talk about wingsuit big ways. Can, can I ask a couple questions before we get to, to wingsuit big ways? Only because it's a couple things that uh, that we just lightly touched on. I feel like a lot of new jumpers listen to the show, and a lot of them are. You know, wingsuiting is a cool guy thing. That to to new skydivers anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, you guys brought up two things. Um, DJ, you talked about audibles. And um, Ryan, you mentioned that you guys require an audible for, for the course, which I think is totally the, the correct way to go. Yep. Uh, so maybe between the two of you, you can uh, explain your thoughts on when a new skydiver should start jumping with an audible altimeter. Uh, when, when does that come into their, uh, their gear bag? 
Man, that is a loaded question because I put audible altimeters on students. And I, and I thought that you'd bring that up. <laughs> yeah. But we, we, we put those in the student helmets hoping that they'll never need to use it, right? So, or, yes, and I'll explain that with my answer. I think uh, every jumper should wear an audible just like every jumper should wear an AAD. The question, the, my answer will kind of address your question by saying how you use the audible when you change how you use the audible would, would kind of address your answer. So with our student program in Spaceland Houston, we uh, also the ranch, Sonic at the ranch is doing the same thing. We have set audibles to a lower, uh, to, to one beep. It's a very low beep. It's well below a student's pull altitude. They should never hear this beep. If this beep goes off, it's a flat line. Woo, 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 mm-hmm. woo, woo. And it's right before their hard deck. So, hey, bro, if you hear this, you have one try at that main handle and you got to go to your reserve. If you hear this and you're already trying that main handle, you have one more try and you got to go to your reserve. It's that you've got one more shot at this, move on. So we're using it as a backup device to get people to be aware of where they're at and what they're doing. For many years, I would actually tell a jumper not to wear an audible until they had a lot more experience because visual altitude awareness is paramount. Um, when I say visual altitude awareness, um, you mentioned, Ryan, not just looking at altimeter, but looking at the ground. That, that is a huge part of altitude awareness and not relying on audibles. So now today I say, hey, new jumpers, get that audible right away and still use it in that parameter. Mm-hmm. Setting it at 3,000 feet is what we're using in our student program. Uh, students are hearing that beep at three grand. They know where they're at. If you hear it in a snivel, move on to whatever's next. Um, the next time from there, I really don't have a solid number. You've mentioned numbers are, are not magic. They are just arbitrary. But typically, I'm going to say somewhere around 50 to 100 jumps is going to be a number. And I'd like to talk to each jumper and give them advice individually. But somewhere around 50 to 100 jumps is where that awareness happens. And most, I don't agree with the statement today, but most jumpers historically have said your natural awareness and natural ability or or skating rhythm, et cetera, et cetera, happen in the sky somewhere around 100 jumps. I don't believe that's completely true today because of better training. Uh, we are getting people better awareness through better training. And then, of course, the wind tunnel helps with a little bit of that awareness growth. So instead of saying 100 historically, 50 to 100 would be a, a ballpark range that I see it being a good idea to use the audible in, in parameters like we all use them, whether it's it's beat for break off or it's beat before break off or, or whatever version like that. Ryan, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, I agree with that. Um, as far as numbers, like, I, I think it'd be good to have it, like, from the get-go. I mean, always use one and just use it as a backup and um, always rely on your visual. Um, but it's always good to have because, man, I, I feel so lost without one when I don't use one now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been using one for, well, ever since I started jumping mainly. But yeah. I, I set up a, uh, a comms device in my helmet, and it has two speakers in each, uh, like, little ear pocket. So the I took center? my Audible... Uh, it's a it's a Cardo Pack Talk, same thing. I've seen them. Yeah. So um, I I took my audible out and did a jump just to see how the comms device worked. And man, I felt so off. Like even though I don't rely on my audible, like not having any beeps at all, man, it felt different. I didn't like it. Do I wear two audibles, one in each ear? Yeah. They're set to identical altitudes, and I didn't think it was going to matter. Nick and I started jumping the Sinos recently, and I have a speaker in one ear. The other speaker's just in the crown of the helmet. Yeah. And not hearing the beep in one ear, like what? What? It just it didn't freak me out, but it was like, man, this is not right. Yeah. How do you? What, when do you think it should happen, Mister P? I, I think a hundred jumps is a really good number. I think uh, you know you spend those first hundred jumps 
getting in the habit of using that that visual altimeter because your your visual altimeter if it's not working you're going to know pretty quick but uh my audible doesn't come out of my audible pocket very often i've had an audible die on a jump unexpectedly and uh was fully guilty of losing altitude awareness i I, I saw other people pull and was like, oh, man, they're pulling before my fucking breakoff alarm's even gone off. And I looked and I was low. And uh, from that jump on, I've, I've always had two. But uh, I think that if you go with an audible right away, you do miss, ju- just like right now, kind of what we deal with with uh, new jumpers and ground speed. How we have new jumpers who just, they won't get out until they have heard the ground speed right now. It's been a hundred knots all day. You were on two loads ago. Maybe it's 105 and maybe it's 95, but you're still probably not going to apply all that information to how quickly you exit the airplane. But the people will freak out if they're not getting that information. So, I th- um, but people who have more experience um, from when ground speed was such a commonly discussed and must know sort of thing it's like yeah i have a still a pretty good idea of what proper separation looks like and i think that when you're constantly getting that ground speed you're not developing that good visual sense of what normal separation looks like just like um with an if you're if you're relying on that audible for from jump number you know 26 let's say you just start going for it then uh how are you going to do without that that tool so i think that it's good to have a basic skill set of hey i'm going to check my visual altimeter it's always going to be there i'm going to wear it on every jump hey this is what the ground looks like when we're getting close to pull time hey this is what my you know mental clock i'm getting a sense for how long a skydive is and i'm going to do that a bunch of times before i have another tool telling me when to pull Uh, because that that out of um my uh Altitude awareness arsenal, I would say that an audible altimeter is the most likely thing to fail without me noticing. So that's why I think you should have a skill set before you start using it. Man, you're so, why don't you talk more? You're so smart. You're so good looking too. You know, I've been working on these uh, dive flow videos. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I'm not going to say that it's sparked my interest in uh, pursuing an AFF rating, but it's fun. And I've... Uh, I think I ruled it out in the past of like, nah, I'd never do that. And I'm not saying that I'm going to do it, but I'm saying that I'm not going to definitely not do it. So I don't believe you wholeheartedly. I don't believe you completely. Good thing that wasn't a wine glass. Yeah, no Sorry, <laughs> Mom. Um, I don't believe you completely. The reason I don't believe you completely is you have never completely ruled out doing AFF, no matter what you said. Because we've had so many conversations that makes me believe there's always been a... I believe you're a man that never say never, always leave an opening. So I, I believe you've always had a like, I could consider it, but I doubt it. I believe that. Yeah. Um, I I do have I do enjoy teaching people. Yeah. From from a couple different perspectives, right. I like watching something work for somebody else, and I like making the sky safer for me. The more people that know how to do it well and are doing it, you know, with with safety in mind, the better I feel about being being on a sky. Even today. Student in front of me, I could tell he was still, you know, he's rental gear, jumpsuit, student helmet, doing a solo. Hey, man, what are you doing on your jump? Oh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to practice tracking. Okay, cool. Uh, what direction are you going to go? Towards the drop zone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, man, I'm really happy that I asked this question. And if I wasn't, uh, if you are a new jumper and you don't understand why that's a bad idea, especially on a day when we're, when we're flying a northbound jump run, uh, you should ask someone why that's a, a bad idea, and then have a longer conversation with you than I'm willing to do right now. Because you're flying at other people. <laughs> there we go. That's a short <laughs> version. But, uh, man, it felt really good to hear him say, hey, this is my plan. I say, hey, man, like, 
that's not the good plan. I want you to think about these few things. And, you know, I explained to him, we, we were at 10 grand, so I had a little bit of time before I knew I had to get ready for the jump. I'm just shooting a tandem video, so it's not like I had a ton to do between uh, then and, and uh, jump run. So, uh, yeah, I told him, hey, imagine this is what's going on, right? This is the direction we're flying. Did you look at the winds before you got on the airplane? What were they doing? This is why we're going this way. But imagine we're going this way, and you're tracking back uh, over the airport that we just flew over. Who who went that way? And he, I see him start to put that stuff together. And that makes me feel really good to see the lights turn on and also makes me feel real good that uh, my homie who was shooting a video right after him uh, wasn't going to be any closer to him than he needed to be. Yeah, you actually get to teach a lot, Ryan, as far as wingsuit goes. What's your favorite part of teaching? What 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 drives you to do it? Uh, a lot of it is, uh, what, you know, they reach out to me and say, hey, I want to learn how to wingsuit I want, or I want to learn a specific... Uh, skill set with wingsuiting and then I once I help them with obtaining that and implementing it it's good to see like the end result of them yeah. doing it and being happy about it and being like oh man that's an awesome skydive like thank you it, it brings joy to it and even though coaching is a little stressful sometimes it it definitely makes it worth it definitely we, we hear the terms life is about the journey not the destination but yeah. there, there's no doubt in my mind the reward of seeing somebody earn their goals and to accomplish what their dreams are is for sure super rewarding but for me it's about manipulation which into some people's mind is a bad word but manipulation is just a word not necessarily negative you I, I love puzzles absolutely love puzzles man the most complicated and most complex puzzle i've ever seen and i've ever met in my life is the human mind and the human emotions and what do i need to say and how do i need to behave to get you to understand what i'm doing tomorrow i'm doing some high performance coaching with a guy and i say high performance more, more in the introductory level we're not doing uh, super high speed stuff yet but we're getting the guy there a super nice dude. He, I've, I've worked with him before, but I definitely have to speak to him differently than the guy I'm working with the following weekend and the guy I worked with the previous weekend. So I get to put on a, a different character like, man, well, how do I say this to you? You know, a buddy of mine, Frank, I can just I can just talk like an asshole to him. Like, oh, dude, you're just going to grab this, pull this and do this. And we speak them the same language enough that it's fun to speak that way. Where this guy, I'm going to have to get super technical, which some people hate. I love, so I'm going to have a lot of fun with Oliver as a dude's name, Oliver this weekend, because I can get real nerdy, and he's going to dig it. Like, if I talk nerdy to this stuff about Nick, he's like, just tell me what to pull. You're going to love the nerd version. <laughs> he's probably not. So I, I love the teaching part. You had two questions. That, I, that actually triggered what my other question was when you said uh, nerd version, that I feel like uh, it's kind of a funny thing to joke about, but I do think that wingsuiting attracts a certain sort of person. And it's usually uh, a, a nerdy person who didn't take to skydiving real quickly. Um, and, you know, maybe that's what attracts them about doing, you know, wings. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so let's just say you have one of these nerds who doesn't have the experience yet and they want to be really prepped when they come into your ground course. Mm -hmm. What is the most important information that these people should study on the ground before they show up and say, teach me how to wingsuit? Right. So nice. I, I typically tell them to work with an instructor first, just get, get some coaching on tracking, free flying, whatever, just uh, develop those skill sets before you come to wingsuiting. But even, even skill set of flying besides, I want, I want book smart nerd information. What should I study? Okay. So squirrel has a lot of good links to videos and they get into like a lot of the aerodynamics of wingsuits, you know, speed equals lift, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it goes into a lot of the, the <laughs> dynamics of it. That's your part of your, your course, right? Speed blah, equals blah, lift, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> I'm going to use that. 
Um, yeah, so I, I usually send them like a link to a video, like, hey, here's some really cool stuff. Like, it's more the technical information. You don't really need to know it, but for those guys that like are nerdy, who like maybe they're even pilots and they like just the uh, the flight, um, you know, because we are basically, you know, we're very inefficient gliders is what we are in wingsuits. So um, they they like learning the the technical aspects of it. Um, see how the the wingsuit works. Um, how do you make it perform better? Uh, you know, all that stuff. I mean, we talk about skydiving. We're we're not falling. We're not. Uh flying we're falling with grace or style or whatever the joke mm -hmm. is but in all reality when it comes to wingsuiting you are truly a pilot these yep. wingsuits achieve similar uh glide paths glide ratios or better in some cases than canopies so for sure we're flying mm -hmm. as pilots um and i think that's where the the nerdery of it all comes in jeremy carnup you know our, our good friend jeremy yeah. he's a wonderful man he loves to refer to his wingsuit boys as wingsuit nerds so it's a, a word he uses because they are into this technical data mm -hmm. like have you ever watched luke land i'm sorry ld land <laughs> from a skydive <laughs> and pull out his fly sight and get on the computer have you watched him nerd no, out no oh really? my god oh. My boy will nerd out on the data, and I mean, I ain't gonna mock it. I'm respecting it because the dude's a champion. The dude's oh yeah, a I'm badass. I'm I mean, the dude's flaring like 400 feet in a wingsuit, which is crazy. Yeah. So no, I'd be I'd be the same way if I was doing that. I'd be like, oh, what did I get? You know, run down, you know, to your computer and plug it in and see what numbers you got. Yeah. I, I truly understand it, but uh, no, I, I don't do that. He was doing it early on, too, when he was just figuring it out, when he showed up here with only a you know, oh, yeah. small handful of Yeah, I, I met him uh, when he, I think he just did the unlimited package, and he came to Dallas for a weekend or two. Okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen you around. And uh, I didn't get to jump with him a lot because I hadn't... You were too good for him. Well, that too, yeah. Socially, but, uh, not skill set. Right. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's a super cool guy, um, but no, I, I haven't really got into it like that as far as, you know, I never turn my fly set on, hardly ever. It's on my helmet on a mount that's <laughs> fixed, but it, it's never on. It's decoration. It just creates drag. That's all it's there for. <laughs> I was going too fast. So I threw an air brake on top of my helmet. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about coaching and, and kind of it'll sidetrack this conversation, but I do want to get to it. You're a squirrel coach. Uh, what does it take to become a wingsuit coach? So when I reached out to Squirrel originally, um, they had told me, you know, there's some prerequisites. First, you need to have a, a USBA coach rating. Uh, you need to have, I forgot the number, but you need to have quite a few wingsuit jumps. Typically, like, around 500 or so is a good number. Um, you need to really know how to fly and how to coach. So um, it was the, the coach rating and then just have, it, have the experience. Um, so I think that's pretty much what they require but um yeah that's that's pretty much it what got you into the idea of being a wingsuit coach well so we had a a wingsuit well we had a, a squirrel dealer slash coach um when i first started wingsuiting in dallas and he kind of just uh i guess he quit jumping so who was it um david smith i don't think i knew he david. was up in tennessee a lot but uh okay. he was in dallas for a while and then uh I think he moved also recently, and I don't know, but he's he hadn't jumped in a while. So um, it, it's always good to have a, a dealer or somebody who knows the suits at the drop zone so you can say, hey, what should I get next? You know, yeah. uh, what, what do I need to do to get to that point? So once he uh, quit, um, I just called up Squirrel and said, hey, I want to do this. And 
at that time I didn't have a coach rating. So they said, all right, first get a coach rating, um, get some more jumps, hit us back up in a little bit. So, uh, we actually had a, a next level camp, which is, um, it's from squirrel. That's, uh, their coaching company, I guess you could say. Uh, they came out to Dallas, I think almost two years ago. So when they came, um, I flew with them, flew with some of the, the pros like Noah Bonson, like, uh, Val Sobo, Matt Blink, like the awesome. Shredders, dude. Oh, I was sick. So, yeah. um, so you know, we, we flew with them, and I think Val was like, "Yeah, I think he's ready." So, um, they kind of made me a, a dealer slash coach about a year and a half ago or so. Dude, it's gotta feel good to get one of those shred eyes, man. One of those just guys you really look up to, those gals who you just respect, and they just like, "Yo, bro." You're good. You're ready. Yeah. Let's get this done. Yeah, and they're like the coolest people too. Yeah. Yeah. Some people get into coaching, uh, whether it's wingsuit coaching or, or other coaching, to fill a gap, and it's necessary. So we, we need this, and I, I'm going to do this because it's needed, and I want to help promote the community and grow the sport. Some guys do it because they want the praise, like, oh, I'm a coach. That's definitely not you. Um, and then some that's guys. Kimble. That's Kimball. <laughs> coach Kimball. <laughs> <laughs> and some guys get into it because they just love the human puzzle. Right. For me, it's a bit of, of the first and the third. Yeah. Of those three, would you say any one of those particularly strikes a chord with you? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely like it. Um, I, I really got kind of, I wouldn't say bored, but like I was missing something when I was just going out and doing fun jumps all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so with coaching, it really like, it did fill that gap. So like, I've always got something going on when I go to the drop zone. Like, I either have a first flight course, I have somebody want to coaching or mentoring, or I'm going to LO, do something. So it's I'm always busy, which is great. So there's never really a time where I show up and I'm just like, what am I going to do today? Like, who am I jumping with? There's always somebody there who wants some kind of advice or just to jump with me. So it's really cool. It's it's cool that they reach out to me and they're like, hey, man, when are you coming back next? Um, like, I was in San Marcos last weekend for uh, uh, the demo we did in Austin. So I jumped in San Marcos Friday and a little bit and then Saturday, first part of the day. And I met two of the local guys down in San Marcos. Really cool guys. They have about 300 wings jumps or so. And they've always just flown together. They're not flying. They're not getting coaching. They're not flying with anyone else. Um, and I said, hey, man, like, because I, I was the only other wingsuiter out there, so I, I want to fly. So <laughs> I said, hey, let's go jump. And they're like, yeah, cool, man. They're, and they're like, oh, how many wingsuit jumps do you have? And I'm like, oh, like 900 plus. I don't know. So um, they're like, oh, c- cool, man. Can you backfly? I'm like, yeah, I can backfly. They're like, oh, you can? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> You're their hero now, right? Dude, they were stoked, like full That's on stoke awesome. level when we landed. They're like, dude, you made that look so cool. And I'm like, man, I'm really not that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing how people think we're good, but we know people who are really good. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and it's crazy. Like every year I wingsuit, I learn how bad I suck and how much I'm learning, how much I still need to learn. When I, had, when I was like two years into it, into wingsuiting, I already had like, I think, two state records. I thought I was a shit. And then about that point, that's when I started learning, yeah, I'm really not that good. Like, I've got a long ways to go. And I'm still like that. Like, I can still progress a lot and learn new skills and improve my current skills. Man, it, it doesn't matter what sector or section of the sport we're looking at. There's so much more to learn. But, man, mm-hmm. even the guys, and it, again, this doesn't matter to discipline, but it's more so to wingsuiting. When these guys are reaching the apex of wingsuiting, they now see a whole new world available to them. Going like, oh my God, there's so much more out there. And it's cool to hear guys continuing to grow and do that and, and giving back 
for sure. I learn more by teaching. It helps me understand it more because noobs ask me questions where I'm like, man, I never thought about that. Now I'm going to fly that more efficiently because you put a thought in my mind I've never put in my mind before. It's great to hear. And, and Nick joked around earlier, like, I was a good student, but then I sucked afterwards. I was a naturally good student, and I sucked afterwards. And, and teaching free fall initially was hard for me because I was natural. I didn't have to think about it. And when students challenged my thinking, then I went from a natural flyer, which wasn't very good. I just could do it, to actually a skilled flyer because now my students challenged me to think about flying. Do you find that challenge has pushed you further as a wingsuiter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um they they help drive, you know, the urge for me to to improve and get better in their their eyes and you know just move along and don't get stagnant and plateau and you know always looking to improve some way. Um, I I even reach out for coaching sometimes. I'm like, hey, I heard so and so is coming to our drop zone or to Houston wherever. I'm like, Kimble. definitely Kimball. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason I come to Houston. The XRW camp I'm here for, that's just second. Like, it's Kimball for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that guy. Uh, yeah, he's he's fun, but, oh, man, he's a lot. Dude, he, he's a You handful. guys keep, keep down here. No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, uh, him and Purple Mike are moving to Dallas. Oh, God. I'm like, uh, <laughs> this is my announcement. I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> no, you can move to Houston. As a matter of fact, I like man. that trade. I, I'm down for that. I, I can't handle the traffic down here, man. It's brutal. Then just live on the drop zone. No, don't do that. I could do that. My wife would be like, no. That's why you don't do that. Yeah. So you're here for an XRW camp. XRW, so historically in the sport, we've had what's called CRW or crew, canopy relative work. And many, uh, I say many, quite a few years ago now, they came out with XRW. What's XRW mean? What is that term? Uh, the acronym is extreme relative work. So it's when you take a highly loaded parachute and put wingsuiters relative to them. Uh, it's, it's really grown a lot. Like I actually met the the canopy pilot who was the very first person to, to, to do XRW, I think to get a dock maybe. And that was, um, so I met him in Sebastian in October or November of this past year. Remind me who I that forget, was. I don't remember his name. I met him and I'm horrible with names. Like, I don't know your guys' names, but, nah, but uh, <laughs> I he, do it all the time. Yeah, he, I, I don't tell people how, but, no, I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. Sorry, didn't interrupt. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I met the guy who did the first XRW um, I think I, I want to say it was a doc, but um, I don't know how many years, 15 years ago or whenever yeah. it was, but uh, super cool, humble guy. Like it was great. But uh, man, XRW is like growing like crazy. Like the first time I did it, I don't know, three years ago, it's substantially changed. I mean, the dynamic stuff people are doing now, like have you seen the, uh, the video Guru and Katie Hansen? Like they're, she's like on her back yes. di- carving and he's diving the canopy and they yeah. go in for a dock. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, that was ridiculous, dude. Yeah, I'm like, that's sketch levels way up there. I, I mean, remember awesome. watching uh, DQ and LD fly together, docked and doing stuff like that. Yeah, and that. But then to watch them do it separate and come together, Guru and yeah, Katie. So docked is actually very easy when you come in for like, say, a surf dock where the canopy pilot is above the wingsuiter, and they come in and the pilot will actually lock in his feet underneath the uh, the rig of the mm-hmm. wingsuiter, and so they're locked in, they're docked together. Anything like dynamic to do after that is pretty easy on the wingsuiter. We're just there for the ride. We're just like chilling. You're a passenger, exactly. And you're and so like they can do dynamic movers. They can dive the canopy, do some corks. They could do a barrel roll, which is sick. But yeah, you're locked in. You're you're the passenger. You can't do anything. 
when you're passing like three grand, you're like, dude, dump me, dump me quick. <laughs> like yeah, I'm getting yeah. low. <laughs> crew is the same thing, man. I've, I've done a lot of high performance crew. I've, I've done a little bit of standard crew, but majority of my crew is under velocities. And I've been the bottom guy in a two stack landing on velocities and we're doing a 90 degree turn on the final. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Dude, you better hook this yeah. well or I'm push. I'm <laughs> trusting your turn to land. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's frightening. And mm-hmm. I could imagine it's the same thing. You're, you're trusting these guys. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's definitely nervous, too, like still doing it. I've been doing it for a while now, but you get that close to some lines of a highly loaded parachute with these little bitty tiny micro, I don't know what. Usually what we're jumping they, HMA, small HMA yeah, or, like, or small Vectran. Yeah, I think there's a guy here at the camp now. He's flying a 57-square-foot something, God and it's damn. on, like, 200-size 200, 200, uh, HMA, probably. Yeah, or, or and I'm like, so... Technora. Yeah, those things are... You don't want to touch them, so... Have you seen... There's a video somewhere out there in this world. Man, he's showing right now. Is that the Guru video? Yeah, it's Guru. Guru and Katie, Katie man. Absolutely shredded. He's jumping, I believe, a, a, a Peregrine in this video. Uh, and they're just they're carving through the sky. This is Katie's viewpoint right now, and spiraling basically. If you can picture a guy spiraling under canopy, Katie is spiraling basically belly carving around him or back carving around him. Back, back, carving, back carving, carving, back carving. There it is. There's there's Guru's perspective, and they'll close this gap, dude. It, I, I saw this on the interwebs when Guru put it out there, dude. It is just so sick. Guru's a douchebag. I love Guru. He's a good dude. Um, he's polarizing, and Guru will tell you that. You either love him or you don't. Um, and we plan on having him on. There it is. There it is. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is so that sick. Is so off the chain. I mean, dude. just the skill level for both of them. I mean, especially for a wingsuiter to, to do that, too. That's really technical. I'm going to give a lot of credit to Katie on that because I don't think Guru has a skill level in general. So, <laughs> uh, Katie, mad props to the wingsuiter for making yeah. that happen. Uh, no, for sure it's both of them. Um. Uh, uh, man, I forget where we were at now. Oh, there's there was a video out there, and I don't know how public it got, but there was it was a dock had happened, and somebody just got unstable or something happened. Luke Akins was involved in this, and the wingsuiter went into his lines, and the destroyed mess that happened after that was just mm-hmm. nasty. Yeah, they anytime we do an XRW camp, the the organizer will always say, "Hey, these lines are like razors. They will actually." It'll just cut through your your skin, go straight to your bone. Yeah. Like they're heavily loaded, it'll just go right through you. So if you know, they say to the pilot, canopy pilot, hey, if someone goes in your lines, you chop immediately. Like if that the canopy oscillates and like doesn't, it kind of loses the loading. Mm-hmm. Chop it before it reloads back up. Yeah, before it could, you cut it could your kill boy. somebody easily. Yeah, I know. Uh, you can actually see above your head. There's a couple pictures, and the one on the left is actually the turn, and the one in the middle is actually break off. We broke. Obviously, second before that. Yeah. And doing a, I, that's a buddy named Phil Schmidt, Phil Doe. Phil and I did a lot of uh, crew together, and there were times where we'd have, we'd land, and we were wearing like two pairs of super thick socks just to help protect us some because there was times you landed and you were just straight cut just from flying together. Nothing oh, crazy, yeah, yeah. nothing special, just being hooked in and the tension of a turn. And that tension turn, just a little bit of friction, you land and you got this mm-hmm. nice little cut on your leg. You're like, dude, we didn't do anything. Yeah. You remember, you probably saw the photo a couple, maybe like a year and a half ago or so. It was Ian Jensen and Scott Lazarus. They were canopy stacked. Ian was flipped upside down, da- yeah. upside down, and did a dock on a Carlos Pedro base. I forget his last name. That's how he goes by on Facebook. But uh, <laughs> that's his real name then. 
Yes, yes, just like LD <laughs> Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I did see that. And actually, so yeah. Scott, he told us like he lost a shoe on that jump. Like just the lines, like they just like cut through you, and you know, because he's got his feet hooked into the lines, and yeah, just to get, provide a stability for for Ian. But yeah, it's absolutely amazing where this world has come, man. So XRW has come a long way and, and today or this weekend you guys are doing a camp. What is involved right. with this camp? What are you guys doing? Uh, well, so we're, we're teaching some newer wing, uh, newer wingsuiters who haven't done a lot of XRW, just helping with that skill set. But a lot of it, we're trying to build some pretty big, uh, formations. So what we're kind of leading off of is, uh, at, at the blacklist project in, uh, Sebastian, six months ago we did the i want to say it was the world's largest xrw formation we had five canopy pilots flying like i think it was a v or something yeah. i don't know um and then we had i was on the jump i don't remember how many wingsuiters <laughs> but it was like at least 10 wingsuiters it's a sick picture dude yeah it, it was a ton of fun and just as easy as it came off like i was shocked but we had like some of the best wingsuiters and canopy pilots in the world and pulled it together really quick. But uh, I think we're going to try to build off of that. Like Scott had mentioned, we might try to do a two-plane, like no. almost all XRW formation jump no. to where we'll have like, I think we've got like a total of like seven or eight can pilots for tomorrow. And so we've got like... talking about doing that here. Oh, yeah. And we've got like... No shot. We've got like 20 wingsuiters or so. Like it could... If we can get the wing loadings right on the canopy pilots um, and then, you know, the wingsuiter... Part of it's gonna be a little easier. It's just getting the canopies to fly well together. So we've got DQ, Zach B, uh, the Scott Lazarus, Scott Lazarus, um, Dennis. I forget his last name. The He's, Russian. Yes. I thought you were gonna say the menace, but okay. <laughs> no, uh, I, Z, <laughs> Dennis Z or something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of their names to be honest. There, I'm docking on that dude. Yeah. So you've got five or six. You said. I think, well, today we had five or six, I believe. So seven uh, or eight maybe tomorrow. I think that's what I've been told. They they said, like, before the event, they're saying, yeah, we've got, like, 30 people, more than 30 that had said, maybe they hadn't all registered, but they said, hey, we'll be there. We'll pay registration when we get there. But uh, it's going to be massive, man. It's, it's I'm really looking forward to what we can do tomorrow. Man, a lot of people think this show is sponsored by Spaceland. It's a Spaceland show. By no means, it is not. We just happen to be jumpers at Spaceland. The reason I jump at Spaceland is shit like this happens, dude. That's fucking sick, yeah. bro. Yeah. So another thing uh, at our American Revolution boogie this summer, we're gonna actually do a, a demo. I mean, it's it's uh we're gonna have a, a two thousand square foot American flag, and yeah. that's Callie Dave. I don't know if you've I know Callie. Callie. I know yep. Callie well. So I think he's gonna have smoke, and then Donaldo Garheda and myself we're gonna be in our our wingsuits with smoke. And we're gonna do like a really good flyby for like a demo show, and we actually got some uh, some new wingsuits being produced right now that they're sick. They're all white, and it's got the Spaceland logo on the tail, like it's massive. Dope. So we got five of us that got those. We're doing a another demo on July third for Kaboom Town, which is a uh, city of Addison. It's it's in Dallas Fort Worth, yeah. but it's a huge fireworks show they do every year. They always have skydivers come in. Jack Pyland is the uh, you know is our USBA regional director here, so. He actually always leads that demo, brings in a lot of skydivers. They usually jump out of a big, like, B-2 plane. I don't know, some big, like, U.S. Air Force old plane. But uh, 
I don't know. I don't know planes very well. Don't know planes, don't know names, but I don't I'm on know. a skydive. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so um, now we're doing a, a night jump where we're going to have LEDs in those white suits. I love that. Um, so like, I think the city of Addison actually saw like the Red Bull guys. like The Swanson shot? Um, well, not well. They saw that one too. The one in like LAX, the time lapse that some dude randomly shot, didn't know what he that was, was shooting. Sick, yeah. Nick, do that, you know what I'm talking about, bro? Yeah, someone thought that they were filming an asteroid or something. Didn't yeah, they? they were just shooting like some time lapse, and yeah, but that's like, what they thought that they yeah, had captured an asteroid, a UFO. Because yeah, that's do, you, sick. do you remember the name of the person that shot it? No I earthly heard. clue, but mm-hmm. uh, Google Red Bull Mike Swanson night wingsuit jump LA something around those lines. Yeah, and I bet you you'll find it. Um. Anyways, Addison lit up jumpsuits. Yep. So we're we're trying to get pyro on two of us too. So we're gonna have a five of us. So it'll be like a V. Okay. <sighs> we're we're luckily spaceland. I think they're gonna provide the caravan for us just to get us to altitude because uh, we uh otherwise it'd be a 182 and that sucks. sucks. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, plan is we'll get out at 8,000 feet. We're gonna get together really quick. Make a V. We'll have LEDs in our suits. They'll be well lit. Uh, myself and I think Donaldo on the, will be on the ends. Well, Pyro, so that'll be another visual for the the crowd to see us. But uh, looking forward to that. So that'll look sick. Man, that would be crazy. Nick actually is showing right now uh, the video of of I th- I'm positive this is Mike Swanson if I remember right. I think it's John Devore actually. John Devore. God yeah. damn it, man, I'm so wrong. Um, but there's also a picture out there of it that's just super awesome. Dude, look, that is so gorgeous. Yeah, that was um, that's. John and uh, what is his name? It's the guy filming behind him. Uh, he's another Red Bull guy, like up at Kapausen. His uh, dad, Andy, Andy Farrington. Yeah, yeah. Yes, checks mix, checks machine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Andy. Yeah, dude. The uh, Red Bull Air Force. There's a couple of different Red Bull teams, but the Red Bull Air Force. They're they're super OG. Those man, those guys are super baller. Look oh, at that. Fly. And that that reason right that jump right there is why I want to get into wingsuit base. I don't want to like jump off mountains. I want to get from a helicopter and just pull dirty low. <laughs> Man, like the idea of wingsuit base doesn't necessarily appeal to me unless it's to fly far and long mm-hmm. or along the side of a cliff and then peel out. The, yeah. the whole like proxy flight, I like watching it and doing it in video games. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, it's uh, there's no room for error. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, dude. I like, I won't fly too close to a cloud ever because that's against the law. It is. But I could yeah. imagine a canyon of a cloud to get you the same sensation oh, to yeah. a point. We just can't do that, though. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would probably be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this XRW camp, you guys are, are really, it's cool because the first few XRW camps we had here in Houston, they were small, they were cool, but, but they were small. And you've mentioned that sector of the sport has grown so much that, man, we're looking at a two-plane shot this mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, um, so the we did an XRW for, or XRW camp here two years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and we were super stoked on that one because there was one load where we had a full load of the caravan with XRW. We're like, man, it, I don't think it ever happened before then. Um, and today, like, man, we did that easily on like one load with the caravan, like first day. Like, we've got a lot more people. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. I don't know if DQ mentioned, but I have a pair of Cinnas. I know there's a few other guys who might have Cinnas around. Um, the Cinnas I have are for my personal use for projects, but also I got it as the rating center. I've offered it to Jeremy and DQ to use. So if you guys do need to use an extra set of Cinnas this weekend, for sure, we might be able to rip it off of uh, Nick. You got yours on your helmet, or is it off right now? No, it's off. It's in the case. It's all uh, ready to go into someone else's Sweet. helmet. Sweet. I'll just strip mine off. Uh, my, I'll show you mine tomorrow and how it's set up, and you'll get a good laugh because yeah. my helmet has a man bun on it. Uh, we're doing intentional cutaways with it, so I put it in a foam case so it wouldn't get snagged. Right. 
the snag hazard scares me. Losing this really expensive device scares me even oh, yeah. more because that for sure is probably going to happen with mm-hmm. some of these cutaways if we weren't careful. But if you guys want to use them this weekend, let me yeah, know. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to be out there, like, tomorrow we'll come, morning, cool, man. we'll come find you because I'm positive. Well, so one of the my first jumps today was with a, a canopy pilot. I, I've got a, a Cardo pack talk, same thing as a Cena. Can you hook those? Can you pair those together? You can. Beautiful. Yep. So I asked him, like, hey, do you have one? He's like, no, I don't. I'm like, oh, bummer. What's funny is uh, Donaldo uh, Grajeda, he has the same pack talk as me, and we've already synced them together. So if we turn or turn them on, they'll automatically connect right away. And mm-hmm. We were on the same load. We we're on the same pass for XRW, but we we're on we we're in different groups. And he exited. We we're yeah. talking. We talked for a little while. Like he exits. He's like, "Hey, can you still hear me?" I'm like, "I hear you, man. I love you. Have fun." <laughs> and he, he uh, we it kind of disconnected after a while because yeah, there's a lot of horizontal separation. Like the plane's we, flying away quick. Yeah, I mean we're doing a hundred. Well, not I don't know. We're going pretty quick, but um. Uh, yeah, there was at least 20 seconds between the exit groups. So Nick it, and I are doing hop and pops, and I've, we've done the same thing. I left the plane. I'm looking at this little midget hanging out the plane staring at me, and I'm like, yo, bro, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, dude, I'm going to pull a little bit. I'm going to wait to leave till you pull. I'm pulling. Okay, then I'm leaving. <laughs> like The conversations we've had, and I'll tell you right now, I don't know if he normally sings under canopy. <laughs> I do, but he sings under canopy. We're on a mic. Do we actually? What song do we do together? Fuck, I don't even remember. Do we actually sing a song together? Well, I don't know if what I do is singing. <laughs> but we, we made the <laughs> same noises with our mouths at the same time. Yeah, dude, it, it was like a two-part song where I was doing one at Bohemian Rhapsody God, or something. It, oh, it awesome. might have been living on a prayer. It might have been. Dude, quite. Po- I don't think so, but oh. definitely we've done that song, t- dude. Next karaoke night, living oh, on a prayer. God, that's gonna be terrible. <gasps> oh. Okay, we don't need the monitor for that one. We've already proven we can uh. sing it. Man, we are crunching on time. We turn into pumpkins at a certain moment, so we, we really got to get moving along. My last question about this XRW camp. Uh, a lot of XRW is relative flight, not necessarily docked flight. Right. And a lot of XRW is also docked flight. What's the biggest docked piece you've been in? Um, so I actually shot video for the largest one I've seen, uh-huh. and it was... I think it was at the XRW camp here about two years ago where we had freaking Kimball on a surf dock. And I want to say Steven Megason took a right-hand dock and then Dylan Mitchell maybe, I think. He's a really good wingsuiter also, like took a left dock. And then Anthony Zerbonia, when he was still here, the kid. was back flying right below them. And that looked really sick. Like I posted on Instagram a long time ago and uh, it looked cool. But uh, you don't usually get a whole lot of big linked you know formations like that's tricky they've done um i think they've, they've done four or a five way c- counting the canopy pilot where they've done like a double um sled surf dock where two mm-hmm. guys are on their backs wingsuiters and the canopy pilot has one foot in each chest strap <laughs> yeah and he's got two hand docks so i want to say that's probably like close to the biggest but have you ever seen two canopies involved in a formation a docked formation like it linked together somehow. Yeah, yeah. So no. like, that would be like s- wingsuiters, kind of like making the chain to it. Yeah, that would be so dope to no, see. It would th- gotta be tricky to fly because a be. wave in any formation is tricky, right? Yeah, and you need at least like you need several wingsuiters to make that connection. I mean, unless you got like incels bumping, which you don't want to be that close with wingsuiters, but no, sir, you're gonna have at least I would say six wingsuiters. Project That'd Blacklist. Be really, There's a skill set there. Uh, I'm not that good. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think the future's coming. I think oh yeah, we're gonna for see sure. That, yeah. So we're going to start wrapping up, and in closing, what is the future of wingsuiting? Where do you see this discipline going? Um, I, I think we're already in that direction, just growing the sport. Um, I'm really trying to just 
especially at Spaceland, have more wingsuiters. Um, so Dallas, we've got a good good group of wingsuiters. We've always had one for the past few years. Houston is pretty small, actually. And, man, there's a lot of really good free flyers here. Dude, free flyers make the best wingsuiters. Like, you already know how to fly your body. Like, you kill it. So I'm hoping that, like, eventually we'll just continue to grow. And, like, um, I, I need to talk with uh, Thomas in San Marcos. I want to try to grow the the scene down there as well. Because, I mean, they've only got maybe three or four total wingsuiters. Um, but a lot of it, yeah, I just want to help grow it, um, share the discipline. And then once you get a lot of experience, you can go do the really fun stuff, like where you do planned flybys and you do XRW, um, just stuff like that. So. Man, mad respect to the Dallas community and, and real huge shout out to Gordon Sellers. I really believe a big part of Dallas's uh, a wingsuit community and growth was due to Gordon mm-hmm. and the crew around him. I don't know if you knew I did a lot of business with Space or Skydive Dallas back in the day. I used to go and do courses there as an examiner as okay. well. Okay. Um, dude, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 dang, I can't think of his name. Uh, the guy who originally made the load clock. Um, oh, uh, was it Michael or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I did his AFF course. Him, Denise, remember Denise mm-hmm. White? Was that her last name? Uh, Brad Patterson, remember yep. him? Yeah, they were all in the same AFF uh, oh, course. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Steve, what's Steve's name? Baldhead Steve? Uh, oh, he's an instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they all, his last name. they all did the course together, man. Oh, so cool. I've, I've been dealing with Dallas for a while. And again, mad shout out to, uh, to Gordon for growing the wingsuit community there. But also huge respect to you because without the continued fostering, I don't think it would be there. Yep. And I would also love to give a lot of uh, praise to my boy Jeremy because I think our wingsuit community has been very hit and miss. Mm-hmm. I think the leadership in our wingsuit community in Houston has been a, a leader nobody wants to follow. Whether it's because of a safety set, a mindset, a skill set, it's always been something missing. And I think Jeremy is starting to fill that gap. And cool. I think guys like you visiting... I think we're going to explode, dude. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, no problem. And I mean, I love coming down. So like, I always hit up the guys who are local and say, hey, what's this weekend look like for you guys? Will you be there? Because I'm thinking about coming down. And they're like, hell yeah, dude, come down and we'll we'll shred and have fun. And yeah, it's cool. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping we can grow it and I don't make know if you big. realize I'm actually on the Wingsuit group page. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why are you on there? <laughs> uh, because of the mentor program. The, the Dallas Wingsuit? Uh, the, the Spaceland one where you're like, who wants to ditch Houston this weekend and go to San Marcos? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the shenanigans one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I'm on a lot of Spaceland pages regardless of my involvement in that discipline just because of my leadership position, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I like to be aware of what's going on and around. And, and I just I want to support and promote these things. dude. Just because I'm not a wingsuiter doesn't mean I can't yeah. love what you guys are doing. Oh, I mean, we have a, a lot of help from Scott Latinus as well for like because he's, he's the events coordinator. So. Mm-hmm. I talked to him a lot about like, hey, let's let's help promote something, you know, that'll just bring in more people. Yeah. So, you have been uh, uh, one other shout out I want to give to you. You've been a huge help in growing the community. Spaceland Dallas actually started. We we have a mentor program throughout the Spaceland system. Mm-hmm. Spaceland Dallas started a wingsuit mentor program, um, and actually, I say Spaceland Dallas started it. You started yeah. a mentor program at Spaceland Dallas. Yep. And as you know, Stephen and myself are working on just little amendments, and we'll sit mm-hmm. down and talk about them some. But, dude, yep. such a solid program, and I think you have been a h- integral part of the growth of the community. So, so 
thank you so much for putting all that backbone yeah. hard work. When we do, and, and if you're a Spaceland jumper and a Spaceland wingsuiter, we are going to get this wingsuit mentor program rolled out to some of our other Spacelands and really get the cohesiveness of it together. Um, when you see it, thank Ryan Leeper. Absolutely. Jeremy Carnap has had a huge part of helping remix it. Myself mm -hmm. and Steven have worked a lot on it from the administrative side, but without you, dude, none of this would be happening. Yeah. So respect, brother. Thanks, man. Anything else you want to tell your friends and family watching tonight? Uh, nothing. No, just come skydive for the first time. Dude, it doesn't matter. Make a tandem skydive, make a <laughs> yeah, student jump, yeah. belly fly, wingsuit. We don't discriminate. We only hate. Make <laughs> a jump, have some fun. Yeah. Mr. P, what you got, my man? That's it. All good on this side. Yo, this week, I put up a post. I put up an event listing for the Gravity Lab Film Festival. We are only having it in Houston this year. Just the infrastructure, the support. It's just easier for me to do it that way. October 26th, check out the event listing. We'll eventually get a better banner. You like my makeshift banner for now? No, I hate it. Thank you. I knew you would. <laughs> I, th I figured if I put up garbage, you or Adam Buckner would make something better for me. Um, we don't have any prizes announced yet. Oops, I take that back. The winner, there will only be one winner, will get a grand prize. Part of the grand prize is an Aries 2 with a sleeve wrist mount from LMB and a ProTrack 2. That prize I just confirmed with LB today, so that will be one of it. In the past, we've had a GoPro 7, and we've had free jumps from Skydive Spaceland, a free jumpsuit, free jersey, uh, 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 um, uh, discounts on helmets, all sorts of cool stuff. So we look to have that again. Check it out. Come party with us straight up. Everything Gravity Lab does after our events are excuses for us to party with our homies. Make a video, come out, party with us, show us some of your sick, sick wingsuiting. Please come to that event. Please, please. I will. Yeah, I'll be there. One of my favorite parts of the show is this. White boy, play that funky music. Guys and gals, <laughs> Gravity Lab Radio, go home. You're annoying. Boy, boy. <laughs>